welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening. David, yes? I'm sorry for being so loud. Do you need me to quiet it down because you're you got a headache and No, and no, no, no. Okay, so you're you're at hundred and ten percent. Yeah. You're you're powering through, as they say. Yep. All right. That's very exciting. Hot take. I'm doing great. Oh, oh, all right. This, I'm timestamping this episode. It won't come out for four days. But uh, film Twitter. Okay. Tyler, are you on film Twitter? I think so, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if I am or not. Yeah. Um, I, what I want is someone to publish like the definitive list. Like, Ooh. here's the people you need to follow to be on film Twitter. Yeah, but if you and I aren't on that list, I'm going to feel really bad. I don't know. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> um it's hard to know which, anyway. which of my accounts would be on film Twitter because my more than one lesson account, which has been around longer okay. and for a while was my only account, that one has like 400 more uh, followers than my BP account. Now, um, the question as to whether or not you're on Christian film Twitter is there's no question because I think you are, <laughs> you are Christian film Twitter. Uh, I think there's maybe four other accounts okay. that have come about in the last, uh, no, that's not uh, true. It is, it is its own little, th- there's just two different, uh, strains of Christian film Twitter. Oh, and there are many, there's, many different strains yeah. of film Twitter, but yeah. film Twitter in general blew up tonight with hot okay. takes. Uh, so if anyone's wondering when, when we recorded this, it's post hot take meltdown. What would you say your hottest take is like for, for real? Um, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, my hottest, my hottest film yeah. take. Well, let's, you know what? Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Let's pay some bills. Yep. And I want to get our guests. Hot no takes. question about it. So while we're doing the ads, you can think about, uh, your hottest take because <laughs> I, I asked and I don't think I have one. So I'm going to have to totally Here's what zone I know out. I'm going to do. What's up? And I've seen this opinion voiced a few times in this melee tonight. Um, and I, I agree with, Way too many, way too often, people's default when they're when they're giving a hot take is to be negative about something. To say like yeah. this thing you like, it's not that good. Yeah, okay. Um, which is kind of what I do all day, any day. So I'm being uh, every day. I'm being sure. a hypocrite right now. But I feel like the best hot takes are like this thing everybody doesn't like is yeah. great. It's better than you think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cloud Atlas masterpiece. Do you actually think it's a masterpiece though? I think it's uh, a movie that I will never stop watching or talking about. I don't know if it's a masterpiece, but I could watch it as easily as I could watch an uh, episode of The Simpsons or something. It's like it's so beautiful and easy to me and heartwarming. It is. I've said said recently in an episode that won't go up for a while that I oh, do yeah. think it's like the most uplifting movie of all time. It's like it's like Cloud Atlas. Then it's a wonderful life or whatever for me. Like yeah. it's a movie that is guaranteed to lift my spirits and make me feel better about humanity. Um, and I clearly think you are uh, not interpreting shortcuts the right way. <laughs> yeah. Shortcuts <laughs> is a mean movie. Um, you know what else I love? What's and I, you know, this, yeah, you haven't seen it. Okay. Again, we'll get our guests when, when our guests is allowed to talk, we'll uh, get her opinion on this. But, uh, Francis Lawrence's Constantine. Yeah, I know that Un- underrated movie. See, and let me ask you this. You know what? I'll, I'll save that question for... All right, for, let's pay, let's pay yeah. some bills. All right, everybody. This episode, which I have to assume so far you've been loving, uh, is brought to you by Mubi, hot a takes. curated online... <laughs> hot take, everyone. Mubi <laughs> uh, is a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, here we go. Uh, somewhere, you know, somewhere there's a hot take going on about this film. 
Currently showing a movie is Steven Soderbergh's Full Frontal, the essence of his one-for-me-one-for-them philosophy. An offbeat skewering of Hollywood that polarized critics and audiences, Full Frontal features a number of cameos, including Julia Roberts and David Fincher. This film and others are available at Mubi right now, and there's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Did you see Full Frontal? I did not. Okay. I had heard... I remember, I remember enjoying it. The, me add, uh, I added in the comment that it's polarized because I know people that that really like it and people that absolutely yeah, I, hate it. I guess it. I'm hot take. I'm in the middle. Okay. Um, but I do know that it has the best part is that <laughs> if I remember correctly, Jeff Garland plays Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. It might <laughs> I'm be, on board. Yeah, it might be the thing where they don't actually say that it's Harvey Weinstein, but it's clearly supposed to be. Okay. But it's mostly just Jeff Garland being Jeff Garland because they're at like some like fundraiser or something or awards dinner or something and they're playing the game of like your pet and the street you grew up on is like your porn name right or whatever and he's like uh actually mine would be baron von hugecock <laughs> <laughs> my dog's name is baron i grew up on von hugecock lane um i always find that very funny uh, um you know what you know what's in the news this week what's that tyler headphones Go oh, um, boy yeah it sure is i actually was going to email uh our sponsor about what about his take on that uh yeah like, hot take, uh, I yeah <laughs> i can't wait to find out bruce's hot take on these airpods uh but until then while you're still yeah. a normal person like the rest of us uh and you want good sounding earbuds uh in a, that, that that look great and sound great and come in a variety of styles and colors the place for you to go is tweakedaudio.com when you go to tweakedaudio.com you'll find all these great great earbuds uh that tyler and i uh endorse stand by we use sure. each and every day of our lives uh you find them at a low low price but if you use the offer code pretension when you get to checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now, before we get into our hot takes, uh, okay. I do want to remind everybody that our zombie commentary is still available for sale. Uh, we, I say we're still. not calling them zombentaries or zombentaries. Was that a question that we asked before? Because this is the first time hearing of it. Did you dream a conversation that you and I had? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is it just seems weird to me that we've said zombie commentary so many times. Zombentaries? Yeah. All right. Zombentaries. It's not like me to leave a portmanteau on the table like that. No, I hear you. I try to do it every every time I can to the point that I'll do it mentally and then do it poorly and get angry at myself <laughs> uh, and then be like, thank God I didn't say that out loud. Um, but yes, our zombie commentaries, um, we say zombie, but these are uh, a pretty specific subset yeah. of zombie films. Uh, we watched back to back to back um, the um, three first three George Romero uh, zombie movies. That's right. Night of the Living Dead, 19... 19- 68 right dawn of the dead 1978 and day of the dead 1985 that's correct and then we watched Zack snyder's dawn of the dead that's right. 2004 
2004. We call it, we call them zombie commentaries, even though you will not hear the word zombie in them, which is interesting. In those movies. In those movies, yes, you, yes. We will definitely, in the commentaries oh, yeah. themselves, we say zombie a lot. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, um, but yeah, so the, each of them are uh, $3, or we would suggest you buy all of them for 10 and uh, watch them all in a row so that you can, first off, because we say a lot of jokes and they just keep coming back over and over again, like zombies themselves, uh-huh. uh, they don't die. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then uh, David and I just get punchier and punchier as the evening goes on. Yeah. So, it's a it's a fun time those that are available and it's a it's a it's a way to support the show that yeah. isn't uh it isn't like homework or a sacrifice you get yeah. something for supporting the show we're not one of these podcasts who's asking you to like oh donate you know get a what's a uh, i don't know what's patron what's it called patron it's like a tequila thing uh <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> um people have like a patron account um, oh i see what you mean uh, and I think you're it's being, just like, you're being cute. I yeah. Guess. It's like, give me money to buy tequila. I think <laughs> exactly. yeah, something like that. Uh, we're not one of those podcasts. We're not, right. We'll buy our own tequila, but sure. you can buy some commentaries and have a good time. That's right. And I will say this. We, I, I do try, I try to keep as many of our guests on the commentary secret, but people have been responding uh, very enthusiastically. I will throw, uh, I'll throw a, a couple names out there. Uh-huh. Uh, Rodney Asher. Rodney Asher, director of Room 237 and The Nightmare. That's right. And then uh, Dallas Hallam, co-director of uh, Entrance. Entrance. Yeah. So there's uh, our friend of the show, Jason Eakin, is there. Uh, Kristen Sales yeah. uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, Jason's not there alone. Don't worry. Wait, like, what do you mean? I'm saying we're tr- trying to entice people here. People like Jason way more than I do at this point. Uh, it, it astonishes me that uh, he has as many fans as he does. People are always excited when he comes on the show. Yeah, but uh, that's weird. But Chris, do you think Jason just has a lot of fake Twitter accounts? It's possible. And he's like, hey, I love that that Eakin guy is back. <laughs> I have him on. I won't rule it out. Uh, but yeah, Kristen Sales is on there. Uh, and a lot. Yeah. I, I was, I, Thankfully. I said this uh, last week due to a uh, scheduling snafu on my part. Uh, the, Kristen is hanging out for a while. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, that and was, created a, a delightful atmosphere uh, in yeah. the room. So, yeah. uh, so check those out. And, and it helps support the show. And, and you guys will enjoy, enjoy them quite a bit. Okay. Now. Let's get into it, shall we? All Let's right. introduce our guest. Okay. Um, she's been on uh, the podcast before. She's been on a commentary uh, marathon before. I think, I think Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings, yeah. Um, she uh, currently works for a very secretive uh, tech company that's <laughs> located based in Santa Monica uh, in a villain's lair um, <laughs> under the pier. <laughs> um, uh, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Amanda Mankey. Hello, that's me. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm very eager to hear people's positive hot takes. I have a couple hot takes. Okay. And I also wrote down some other hot takes while your guys' other hot takes were going on. Oh, okay. my gosh. Okay. Good. I have several layers. Um, the worst interview I ever had probably was with James Spader uh-huh. when I asked him about his dog porn name thing. And he said he was silent for probably a minute. And I said, Hello? And he said, I would never defame my dog's good name and the memory of that sweet animal by putting them into some kind of. And I was like, all right, I I get it. And he was like, this is over and like didn't want to talk anymore. So that was a great time with James Spader on the phone. Wow. Wow. Do you think he was just fucking with you? Oh, no. 
He okay. was mad. Wow. Like annoyed. It was for Lincoln too. And I was like, nobody wants to talk to you anyway. Just to humor me here. <laughs> Although I do, I do think he's my favorite part of Lincoln. Really? Yeah. My goodness. Uh, another hot take I had is that Soderbergh at his most Soderbergh-y would be Bubble. Which I never saw. See? Super Soderbergh-y. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I haven't seen, I didn't see it either. So I guess there is that. It's about people who work at a doll factory and make dolls. Yes. I, oh, I can picture the cover. It's very disturbing. It's, hmm. Yeah, the movie is pretty, pretty Soderbergh-y. Okay. Um, my most important hot take, I would say, is definitely Donnie Darko is and always has been an A-plus amazing movie. And I feel like people are just now coming back to it because of the recent Austin screening where uh, they showed that and they showed Southland Tales and Richard Kelly was there. Okay. People were tweeting all kinds of hot takes about it, but uh, it's always has been great. So, yeah, I, guess, I can't really. I feel like Donnie Darko has always been pretty darn good. All right. But I can't. But the most interesting thing about now here I am going negative. Um, the most interesting thing about Donnie Docker to me is to watch the deleted scenes on the DVD and realize how close it came to being terrible. Mm. Like every one of those deleted scenes is like, yep, that was the right call. <laughs> like it, it is, it is a few decisions away from being a total mess. Aren't uh, most movies? Though? Yeah, maybe that's true, but it's weird. I don't know. I guess, uh, Richard Kelly is like a self-completist. Like he, he didn't have to put those on the DVD. Right. Just being honest, just being transparent. I have not, uh, I haven't seen the director's cut. I haven't seen any of the special features. I have just seen the film. I think I haven't seen it in, yeah. You know what? I might've only seen it once when you and I saw it in the theater. When you oh, wow. paid for my ticket. That's right. Oh, that's right. Cause at the time I didn't go to movies story, alone. Yeah. You didn't like going to movies alone, which is my, uh, still mostly my preferred way. Oh of yeah. Going I've to definitely movie. come around on that. Uh, and I didn't want to see Donnie Darko and we lived together and we had just moved to Chicago and we didn't know anybody in the city besides each other. Man. So you were like, I'll pay for your ticket. And I was like, okay. I didn't uh, know this was like the origin story, the like yeah. beginnings <laughs> of a friendship. Yeah. Donnie yeah. Darko, my um, goodness. but I ended up liking it, but you know what I remember? What's that? And I was literally just thinking about this yesterday because this song came on in the restaurant that I was in, or the gastropub. Um, uh, the song Notorious mm-hmm. by Duran Duran is the girls uh, do the dance too. heavily featured in that yeah. movie. And when it kicked in, I'm a big Duran Duran fan. I started tapping my foot, not realizing I was, each time I tapped my foot, knocking it against the chair of the person in front of us. Oh. And that dude, like, whipped around and gave me, like, the meanest look. And I was like... I'm sorry. And then after the movie, I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. Tales of modern manners yeah, from the yeah. trenches. This is it's, riveting stuff. When, it's like, I mean, when that Duran Duran gets in your bones. You just got to start kicking chairs. Exactly. Knock stuff over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's What's Duran your Duran. What's your hot take? Well, I said, uh, Cloud Atlas. Great. Oh, I, th- I thought you had a great. real one. I thought that was like an example so we could get ready for. Oh, should I? Uh, I, I? I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have plenty more. All right, um, Tyler. I got nothing. I'm trying to think of positive. Is that, I'm trying to think of positive hot takes. Surely I you can think of something that you love that everybody hates. Come on. I know you. This is one you've said before. Okay. Is that you think Caesar Romero? <laughs> Caesar Romero is a better Joker than Heath Ledger. Okay. That's what you said, right? You're, you're making... It's like throwing you, someone under the bus hot takes. Okay, uh, <laughs> that was in private to that. Well, he's, no, yeah, well, he's, ma- he's making a joke. I do think... published a, a thing. I do... No, I... First off, that was before I even saw the Heath Ledger Joker. It was that everybody was making fun of... Everyone was saying that, like, oh, Jack Nicholson isn't very good and Cesar Romero okay. isn't very good. And the article that I wrote was that, well, they were right for the movie or TV show they were a part of. Uh, 
That said, and then this thing, this is a, this winds up being negative because this is a, I prefer this over this. Mm -hmm. And so I prefer Nicholson's Joker to Heath Ledger's Joker. And, but that's, that's a negative hot take. I can't think, I do love Mars Attacks. Uh, but then so does David. I think a lot of people our age do I think now. they're, I think sort of culty. Yeah. I think that's, I, th- I think film Twitter is pro is it? attacks. Yeah. Um, film Twitter is deeply contrarian in its soul though. I, yeah, I don't know. Do it's, you think I'm on film Twitter? Um, more than, yeah, definitely. I'm okay. definitely not a part of it anymore. But okay. That's like my whole Twitter feed. Unfortunately. Um, speaking of, you know, X is better than Y hot takes. The one that got me yelled at by my boss at the video store back in, in Chicago, Tyler knows this story, is that I have always felt and continue to feel that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is better than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. Um, I barely remember and- them enough to make a <laughs> distinction. Oh, I do have a great Keanu Reeves story, though. Okay. So I dressed him for one day of reshoots on John Wick. And okay. he is the world's nicest human being. That's that's just everything that I hear amazing. and want to believe. Yeah, and it was he was just so kind and thoughtful. And um, uh, when I was dressing him, I, I had taken off my sweater, and we were doing an outdoor scene at night, and it was raining like in the scene. And he didn't have a wetsuit on underneath, and so he was like freezing cold. And he was like, Amanda, aren't you cold? And I was like, how are you thinking about me right now, <laughs> like as I'm trying to help you? Um, and at the very end of the night, I, you know, I was dying inside because I – Love him. He's mm-hmm. great. And, but I was very professional, kept my cool, kept it all going. And uh, at the end of the night, he was, like, shaking my hand. And I was like, great working with you, sir. You know, and he walked off. And I was like, oh, I didn't get a chance to say anything. Oh, well. So I grabbed my little kit, and I was going upstairs to check on the extras who were still shooting a little bit. And I saw him kind of by himself waiting for a car or something. Mm-hmm. And I went over, and I said, uh, I was like, oh, hey, what's up? Did you need something else? Or, and I was like, no, I don't want to bother you, but... I just wanted to tell you, and he gets this like scared look on his face. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to say how much your work has meant to me in my life. And that's all I wanted to say. And he said, oh, thank you. Like, like no one had ever said anything kind to him before in his oh. whole life. Like that is how honest it was. And in my head, I'm like, wow, that's some good acting. <laughs> uh, and then he took my hand, and I wish I had a witness, but he pulled me towards him and gave me a little kiss on the cheek, oh. and I made a noise like <laughs> a garbage disposal. I went, oh, and I, like, stumbled away. I, like, fell, like, away from him and was just like, he's like, bye. And I was like, oh, <laughs> got away. But as I walked away, it just felt like such a culmination of, I was like, man, when I was 12, I remember watching The Matrix on like a little TV at my grandma's house and it meant so much to me. And it was this like, movies are so cool. And then for me to like be in the same room working with someone of that caliber was yeah. just the monumental thing. But yeah, he's everything people say about him and more, just the guy, greatest guy. So people say, never meet your heroes. Hot take, never meet your heroes unless they're Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think right? so. I mean, he might be the only one. Yeah, he just seemed awesome. I remember when I when I learned that he, um, when he's at a award show or a festival or whatever, he doesn't take the celebrity, like, gift baskets. He's mm-hmm. he, he doesn't do that. And he doesn't do, like, ads. He doesn't, uh, He I feel like he's, like, a guy who, yeah, he, he, I don't know, he does what he wants to do, and he picks movies because he thinks they'll be, worth doing I, I don't know he just seems he's like a true artist who uh, I think I, that's a hot take is like Keanu yeah. Reeves is a better actor than people want to give him credit for I think people want to like dump all over him a lot of the time but I think he's great where do you where do you fall on that 
You know, I've said on this podcast, though it's been a number of years at this point since I said it, uh, that his career frustrated me because he's never been that remarkably good of an actor. Like he's not always convincing in the things that he says, which seems like uh, a basic prerequisite for being an actor that is cast in things. Mm -hmm. But over the years, he's grown on me. And I think, I think he's, uh, it might be that he's become a better actor. It might be that he's just, he's, he's not trying as hard. And I know that may sound like he's lazy. It's not so much that it's that he's kind of eased into, himself I, I think what i think what i take that to me when you say I, I think he's found he's gotten better at finding the roles that are right for him like you don't see him doing like a much ado about nothing or walk in the clouds or, or dracula. like dracula yeah uh now like basically he's realized maybe all right period pieces maybe not really yeah gonna work for him unless he's doing like 47 ronin or whatever sure um, which i actually didn't see um but uh yeah i mean i think he's He's so perfect in John Wick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, as I said, I love Constantine. Are you a big Constantine fan? I've not seen Constantine. But oh. I will say, as someone who has worked with him on set, um, <laughs> that he prepares more, meticulous, more meticulously for even, like, an insert shot than I've seen most actors prepare for actual, like, full-on monologues. Like, he would do the action, and he would do it again, and he would, like, get the, like, he would call someone over and be like, all right, I'm doing this, and then it's this. And, like, he and the directors work so closely together on that stuff. Even random, like, walking up the stairs, he would, like, really prepare. I have no doubt that he is remarkably professional, and I've heard that he's the nicest guy. Like, there's, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is a reason that even when he wasn't, necessarily hitting it out of the park every time uh that he still got cast and might sometimes it's just like being a positive force around set and he is somebody that people liked on screen yeah he has a, um, a presence that yeah. works um no, no matter what did um, either of you see the neon demon yes no. i saw he's it. great in that he is really like, great ge- in and it. that's not a thing i say lightly he's genuinely frightening yeah okay. and uh did not love that movie was really bummed because at the time I was working for a movie magazine and we were going to put it on the cover of the magazine. No. And then after we saw it, we were like, no. I actually liked it so much more than I thought I would. Um, <sighs> I feel like with him, you can, like Nicholas Winding Refn, you can get, he gets, he's like, oh, you're so close. We're so close to having something really awesome. We're so close to having something that's going to be great. And then at the last minute, he always botches it. Like he cannot help himself. Something has to just go off the rails. Well, I think... Um, the only I, I'm not a big fan of him in general, with the one major exception of Only God Forgives, which I think is amazing, because I think it's going off the rails is uh, the right choice. I guess I don't know. I don't want to like spoil what happens at the end of the movie, and, but and I've always felt that he is kind of vapid, and which is why I think Neon Demon works so well. Oh, is he finally is perfect. making a movie about vapid people? Um, <laughs> he understands them so well and their yeah, desires exactly. and motivation yeah. that it just flies off the screen. Um, but yeah, so I'm sorry I don't have any, any better uh, hot takes. It's, they're almost always, I like this more than that. It's mm-hmm. almost always that. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think you're going to get a lot of hate mail on that Cesar Romero's better, a better actor than Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger thing <laughs> <laughs> that you keep insisting on. Son of a bitch. Here's a hot take. Everything's mostly fine, and some people like some things, and some people like other things. Sure. Yeah. Now, okay, so. Yeah, here's a hot take everyone's opinion is worthwhile and we should be respectful of it. Oh, that's not Hang true. On a that's Hang a on lie. That, that might be the true. hottest take I've heard so far. <laughs> Super hot. So I have to assume that hot takes are heightened, right? Like 
They're meant to instill a certain amount of guess, fight yeah. in the person okay. listening to them. Yeah. This is something we didn't call it hot takes, but in a like maybe the second episode ever of Battleship Retention, we were like, let's see if we can get some uh, some attention. Right. And we did. We just said a bunch of stuff that we were like that we said. Uh, That's right. That episode might not be available. No, anymore. it's definitely not because but it's yeah. literally like episode literally like episode two, which yeah. is not available unless I mean, if you donate ten dollars and email Tyler and say, hey, I donated ten dollars. I've lowered can, the price, David. Seven. Oh, okay. So seven dollars for our first forty episodes. That's right. Um, that's another way to support the show in like uh, and uh, to embarrass the hell out of us. Those yeah. episodes are not easily available for a reason because they're I, not good. I went back and listened to. <laughs> you guys are great salesmen. <laughs> Don't buy this, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're trying to avoid. But there's a reason those aren't available anymore. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking. I went back and listened to an early episode of More Than One Lesson, but not that early. Like uh-huh. it's episode. You know, twenty something, and I was—I wasn't doing it every week at the time, uh, so I was probably a solid nine months into it. Which means I was like three years into podcasting at that point. I go back and listen to that episode. Whew! Well, we're always—I feel like I should take all those down, but apparently I can't. We're always getting better. Always getting better. Do you remember any of our hot takes from that episode? I don't. I don't remember a single one. I remember some I remember of our saying, New Year's resolutions. I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. The only one I remember. And I don't know if I still stand by this, but I remember saying that I think Futurama at its best is better than The Simpsons at its best. Yes, I think so. Hmm. That is that is one that you said. Yeah. I, I don't remember any. Uh, I don't remember any of mine. All right, I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't say that Nicholson thing because the Heath Ledger Joker didn't exist yet. That's how early it was. Yeah. We've been doing this for a while, David. My goodness, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we didn't even know that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker. Yeah. yeah, boy, oh boy. Yeah. What what movies? We're recently out when we started. Borat was probably yeah. pretty new. Uh, I mean, we we started in March of 2007. So, 2000, oh, so, so Zodiac like, came out like right yeah. around the time we started podcasting. Yeah. Uh, Smoke and Aces. <laughs> I never saw Smoke 300. and Aces. Uh, 300. I unfortunately saw 300. Bit, yeah. Um, Hot take. That movie sucks. Yeah. Uh, Grindhouse. I never saw that one either. Uh, I think that remains the only Tarantino I haven't seen. Yeah. And don't worry. I'm going to stop. I, I I know I said Grindhouse. I'm not going to talk about how much I don't like the concept of Grindhouse. People are tired of hearing that because apparently they've been hearing it for nine years. Yeah, Sorry, that's everybody. That's a hot take you've been doing over and over again. Yeah. You know what else is out about that time? The Last Mimsy. Last Mimsy. Starter for 10. Oof. Pride. Not the recent uh, gay right. rights pride, but the Terrence Howard coaches the black swim team pride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to remember what else I saw for free at the Arclight when I was working at the Arclight. Well, I mean, we saw, we saw Hot Fuzz. That was a good one. We saw The Lookout. That was a good one. We Uh, saw The Host. The Host. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Breach. I don't think you saw it with me, but Breach, uh, right. I saw it, saw it on my own. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the old days. And I remember I really, I really wanted to, uh, utilize your, uh, Arclight, uh, employeeship uh-huh. there's a word employment I, is employment the word. is the word i'm looking for uh <laughs> to, so that i could see uh primeval because i'm a sucker for uh, creature features oh that's the giant alligator no, i remember it with yeah. orlando jones but i yeah. don't remember was that out when i worked there yeah oh and i remember, I remember you and i were walking to the ucb from your apartment and i said hey uh did you guys get primeval and you started making fun of me um because you're just like i think so why <laughs> All right, that's enough reminiscing. This Indeed. is getting um, 
Maudlin. Way, way too navel gazing. It's getting white. Maudlin. Well, no. we're coming up on episode 500, David. So it's just a, you know, it just, yeah, it just happens. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Congrats. That's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Um, now we have to get to a whole list of our listeners' hot takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the freshest and the hottest of takes. We we asked our listeners, as we do once a year, to vote on a thing of our choosing. Yeah. <laughs> this year it was top 50 actors and actresses, but instead of doing a top 50 list, we did two top 25 lists. Right. Because like the Academy, we like to keep, you know, hot side hot and cold side cold. Exactly. Like no, the, sorry, that's McDonald's, not yeah. the Academy. <laughs> um, uh, anyway... We last week we had our friend Tobo Stephen Tobolowski on right. to help us count down the top twenty-five actors. This week Amanda is here to help us count down the top twenty-five actresses as voted on by our listeners. I have to say that because I don't want people thinking this is my list because there are some things on right. here I don't entirely agree with. It's yeah, a that, list of hot takes. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it it happens, and I. You know, you contributed, I contributed, but uh, our votes were not weighted. Uh, but when there was a tie, I decided what the order would be. And I'll say, and we'll get to, I'll, I'll point them out when we get to them. There are a couple of people that I didn't put on my list that I'm like, you know what? Should have been on my list. I'm glad yeah. they're on here. Uh, but then there are some people, you know, we did. We spent a lot of time with Steven last week saying, I can't believe so-and-so is not on the list. No. You know, right off the bat, I, uh, I, I had Madeline Kahn pretty high on my list. And, uh, and it's kind of a bummer that she's not on here. A good number of people did submit her. It wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a low number. She was close to making it. But as tends to happen, uh, you know, the list is a lot more eclectic until the last day. Mm. And then everyone is like, oh, I got to get my list. And then it becomes a lot more conventional. Uh. Um, for, exa- for example, this, uh, this top three was, a different, was in a very different order until the last day. Well, let's start with number 25. All right. We're all big fans. Oh, I well, know. Here, Tyler and I are big fans. Here's what I'll say. Number 25. There was a tie for 25. Oh. So I made the choice that this person would be in the top 25. So based oh, on your wow. choice, first up, before we say who's number 25, who did, whom did you relegate to outside looking in status? Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. <laughs> okay. Oh, poor Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Man, that's a tough choice. <laughs> I didn't do that lightly at all. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about the episode that we recorded that hasn't gone up yet <laughs> like it's just gonna be a lot of shitting on faye dunaway on battleship retention in a short period of time i don't remember that other one. Um, oh wait no there it is yeah, yeah. never mind never mind but okay so <laughs> sorry faye <laughs> so besting faye dunaway um on tyler's uh, very correct uh judgment call is the great sigourney weaver that's right Le- left lieutenant ellen ripley is she a lieutenant yeah well, is that is it a different i thought that was a different thing she's a lieutenant Okay. But if you're British, then it's Lieutenant, right? Yeah, but nobody, is, nobody there is British. Not, not until uh, the, the third one. Then everybody's British. Um, maybe, they, maybe they call her Lieutenant in the third one. Sure, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so Last what, time I watched Alien 3, the sound wasn't on, and we were talking through the whole thing. That's, <laughs> that's true, which might be the best way to, hear, to watch that film. <laughs> well, her so, rank is the most important thing about her, so I'm glad that we've spent this time covering that. So... So what, uh, out of curiosity, what does everybody think about my hot take uh, that uh, Sigourney Weaver should be on this list and Faye oh, Dunaway you, should you not? Made, you made the right call. Okay. You made the right call, but that's a, that's a tough one. It is a very that's tough a thinker. Because it's hard, you know, it's just like, oh, Bonnie and Clyde, Chinatown, and Network. That's, that's Well, see, this gets you know, to screw em. a question yeah. that's come up in the comments since the last episode um, about body of work versus, yeah. like, 
Sigourney Weaver created one of, if not the greatest character in the history of movies, in my opinion. Everyone can Lieutenant do one. Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. <laughs> Everybody can do one thing good in their life. But she's also, but that's the thing. When's mine? Uh, we're waiting. We're all waiting. <laughs> you, you keep at it, buddy. Uh, you keep plugging away. We've seen some progress over the last nine years, and we're very hopeful. <laughs> uh, look, we all know what mine was, which was winning Best Actor State of Missouri, Missouri in the year 2000. Right. So my life peaked uh, 16 years ago. It's been a beautiful downhill climb. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's not merely that she was Ripley. I think it's also what Ripley represents in film history, which is, you know, when you look at, you know, the, as they would say at Comic-Con, you know, uh, what is it? Women who kick ass, ass. you know, Ripley kind of, by the way, Sigourney Weaver was on the very, if I think, I think the very first women who kick ass panel at, at, at Comic-Con. That's appropriate. I think so. But here's the thing. I don't want to say, oh, she's Ripley and that's it. Hmm. She, that is, that is probably her biggest contribution to film, but she's marvelous and working girl. I like her. I like her a lot in Ghostbusters. I love her in Dave. She's great in the Ice Dave Storm. Is a, Dave, Dave is a good one. Is yeah. a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It really is. I watched it somewhat recently, probably the last three years, because I loved it when I was a kid for whatever reason. I don't know why. And uh, yeah, she's still good in that. It was a nice one-two punch of that, and then the American President the next yeah. year. Just the president was just such a ple- presidency was such a pleasant thing in the mid nineties. What <laughs> ha- what happened? Um, um, but yeah, so so I feel like. She made a big contribution, and she's also shown a, a surprising amount of range. I do. I can't speak enough about how great she is in Working Girl. She can sing. She and, can. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And we we can't spend this long on everybody, but um, so we should move on. But it's interesting that Sigourney Weaver has graduated to the place where her being in a movie is like a thing now, like with Finding yeah. Dory or Cabin in the Woods, yeah. or to a little ca- uh, cameo in Ghostbusters. Uh, I didn't see it. Um, but similar, like Paul, uh, you know, Paul's a terrible movie, but it's yeah. a similar thing to Cabin in the Woods. Like, it's like, oh, the fact that it's Sigourney Weaver, like, yeah. uh, means something. Which is a bummer. I would like, you know, as much as I did not care for Avatar, she's playing a, a full, an actual character there. And I would like her to like get Avatar. more, get more roles. I think Avatar's you know. a good movie. All right. Um, but it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a, an actor showcase except for maybe Stephen Lang. Uh, so it's, there's not much that she's able to do in that film. I want, I want to, you know, I want another ice storm for her, you know? So, okay. Uh, uh, we, let's we move on, on to someone who is absolutely on my list. Um, uh, when I might have put my thumb on the scale a little bit with the listeners by mentioning that she was on my list and maybe we got more votes for her because of that. But, uh, I did I notice no, after I mentioned Peter Lorre, a few people, uh, throughout Peter Lorre, yeah. it's just like, how much influence do we have on you people? But I advocated for the great Gong Lee and here she is on the list at number 24. And I feel like I'm mostly unfamiliar with her work. I feel that way too. I thought I knew more about who she was, but I'm realizing I haven't seen the majority of her films. Yeah. What are some of your favorites, David? Um, well, I'm going through, um, I would say the one that absolutely shoots to the top of the list for me, which I know you, I'm pretty sure you have seen is to live. I've not seen to live. Oh, you have not seen to live. Okay. She's best known for memoirs of a geisha, right? In America, I guess her it's memoirs of a geisha and Miami vice. Um, yeah. but, um, those aren't great. She didn't like get a lot, get enough to do or I, I, I just don't think she translated to, uh, American films and speaking English. Yeah. Um, that well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of either. Has she of been in a one car Y movie or am I making that up? Um, yeah, she was in 2046. Um, that's one of his, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, uh, to live farewell, my concubine, oh, okay. um, uh, which is also one of my favorite movies. Uh, Raise the Red Lantern. Uh, oh yeah, Judo. Okay. She's worked with Chen Kegi and Zhang Yimou a, a lot, and those okay. are um, two of my favorite directors. Going back to to film school, um, yeah, I do love and, Raise the Red Lantern. Yeah, and, and so uh, I, I guess I associate her so much with that sort of um quote unquote fifth generation Chinese director thing of like the the eighties and nineties um that uh I've always just felt uh, thought very highly of her and thought that her great performances, especially in To Live and Judo, um which I'm probably saying wrong, um are, are a big part of the reason why I like those movies so much. And I'll say this, I did see I didn't see Memoirs of a Geisha, but I saw Miami Vice and it's not a good movie all around, but while speaking English is not necessarily her forte, she is still very striking on screen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's this, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but like when she's not talking. Oh, dear. You know, uh, and it's that thing. She's she's playing the emotions. And so I believe her character. It's just unfortunate that like that she got that she was in that part. But I totally get why she's in that part, because she's a very dynamic presence and she kind of commands the screen even in the midst of other dynamic actors uh you know i feel like she's she's kind of a highlight of miami vice uh which is you know maybe damning with faint praise but uh so we should probably move on yeah let's move on to one that i'm i'm a fan of this actress but i think it's a little recent and also not only is it recent we never specifically said this is for movies only but I think right. because of how to get away with murder, I think of her as a as a TV actress. Not just because that's high profile, but also she's so fantastic on that show. Of course, talking about Viola Davis at this point. Um, I don't know if you guys watch How to Get Away with Murder, no, but uh, she's amazing. Um, and so it does seem weird to me that she's on this list because when I think of her in movies, I think of either like movies like The Help or Suicide Squad. You know or what movie small she's, roles and like get on up. Yeah, she's she plays a bit part as a police officer in Kate and Leopold, <laughs> which I watched last year and was like, oh my goodness. She's one of the best actresses of all time. No, I know, but I, that felt really awful to tweet. I was going to take a picture and be like, <laughs> wonderful performance by this unknown actress, but that seemed edgy. I don't know. Well, I'm going to point out, I have not seen Kate, Leo, Kate and Leopold since the theater which then means, yes, I paid money to go see Kate and Leopold yeah. in the theater. Hey, man. I've paid money to see it and then rent it and then paid Netflix to watch it again. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no shame. I don't think the movie is that great. No but, hot um, takes here. <laughs> I like rom-coms. Yeah. So I went and saw it. So, she's, she's great, though, and I'm glad that we're yeah. starting to get to see more um, more of her in movies. You know, I think that sometimes it's harder for... Um, actresses of color to find their way into those kind of lead roles in film or, and so I think I'm glad that she's kind of getting more recognition at this point and hopefully more opportunities. And she's middle-aged, you know? Uh, but yeah, she is, I wasn't expecting suicide squad to be very good, but one thing I knew is that she would be dependable. I know that character. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that she was cast as that character, I remember thinking like, okay, so I at least know one part of Suicide Squad is going to be very interesting. Mm. And sure enough, it was. Uh, She's marvelous in in Doubt. Mm. Uh, She's in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which is a movie I don't care for, but she's very good in it, obviously. She's in Um, the Solaris remake, speaking of That's right, she is. Which I I remember liking to a point. I I can brook no remakes of Tarkovsky. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing that nobody should do. Hot take. 
<laughs> but yeah, and so I, I think it could be. Uh, I don't know. It, it could be argued that maybe in a few years, like she would warrant being uh, on the list. Um, but right now, she's a, she's a very interesting actor, and I'm not sure if I would say that I'll see everything she's in simply because she's in it. But she's not. She'll almost always be a highlight of something I see. I want to see her given a role in film that's worthy of her talents. Yeah, which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, it is it is notable that she's basically in one scene in doubt, and like. I mean, everybody is good in that movie, obviously, but at the same time, like, she's got one scene to make an impact, and boy, she, she sure does. Um, so, okay, we should uh, probably move on. Yeah, let's move on to someone I'm a, a, a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Judy Dench. Yeah. And I like, I think there's something about the uh, classical British actors and actresses um, who, obviously, you know, they, our, our, our male actor list was full of, full of them mm-hmm. right um but there's something about their there's often less pretension yeah i guess I, I think with with the british actors it's more of like a, a trade and so they're you know obviously they're great you know she's great just going with more recent roles um something very character driven like philomena i think is a, a great movie which i still haven't but, seen but she's also not afraid when the movie calls for it to be big. Mm-hmm. And I like that lack of, again, lack of pretension on, on her part that you see in like, like an Alan Rickman, if we're going in the, in the male sure. side of things. Sure. I'd say she's the female Alan, Alan Rickman. That, that works really well, actually. <laughs> I think she's better. Uh, that's probably, well, she's better that's now. probably true. Oh, <laughs> that's she's, very, that seems that's wrong to say. Awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's interesting. Uh, when we announced this on the website, somebody said that they weren't actually a big fan of hers. Why? Which astonishes me. <laughs> How? And I it's feel like, like saying I really hate, uh, you know, Maggie Smith. Screw her. Well, that I can understand. Oh, I'm joking. Dear. Of course, oh my I'm joking, goodness. Of course. Uh, now, I, I mean, to me, like, if you, Her Majesty Mrs. Brown is wonderful. I think her best performance is in Notes on a Scandal. I think she does. Tremendous work in that. And I think she's somebody who always has an air of authority, which is fine. But what I like is that she understands that and can often project that while also clearly playing insecurity underneath or fear. And I think that's what Notes on a Scandal is. And I think that's what Mrs. Brown is as well. Yeah, that's something I was going to mention is definitely her range. I think Mm -hmm. that often we uh, sometimes don't get to see it as much, but... I was even thinking of the Daniel Brühl film Ladies in Lavender that she's in. And right. She has some really nice moments in that film that I remember even to this day. And I remember she was in um, Chocolat, which is a movie I don't care much for. But I remember like, I always like her, obviously. She's um, just pleasant to watch no matter what she's doing. Yeah. And she was. She's great in the Bond films, too. Yep. So, Absolutely. So fun. Like such a fun addition. And I was so proud of them for making that choice because that was not an obvious choice. And it was a very smart choice in the last few films to elevate her and really explore who M is. And I think she, you know, could seem just as, as tough as anybody else and, uh, just as capable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should move on. Um, okay. You want to say who's next? Next up is Sissy Spacek. I was fascinated by this, not to imply that I don't like Sissy Spacek, but I was kind of under the impression that, film nerds had kind of passed her by. Um, Mm. But I guess when I think about like, okay, well, what are the movies that film nerds like? They like Malick. Mm. They like De Palma. um, 
but at the same time, I can't think, I mean, she's in JFK, she's in, in the bedroom. So she's been in enough stuff she's over the, the years. Story. She's in the straight That's a big one. David Lynch. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Am I, why would I be? I don't know. Cause it's a straight story. <laughs> I love it. David Lynch. Like you, that's you're, true, you're naming yeah. big directors that's that are listeners. Film like, nerd. That's true. But I <laughs> but can't, the, our listeners know. have seen the straight story because it's their Lynch movie. Do you think they have? Yeah. I feel like that's the one people skip. I think they see Walt Disney presents the straight story and they don't care who. No, it's just deep it. cuts. Okay. It's like twin peaks too. Everyone's seen it, but uh, <laughs> twin peaks too. Yeah. Um, with Chris Isaac. No? Oh, that, oh, yeah. The movie? Okay. Yeah. Firewalk. Yeah. It's a good movie. I like that movie. Um, yeah. So this is. She's I think, also. Now, you and I don't watch this show, but she's also on Bloodline, which I know is. Which is a, the Netflix oh, right. show. Yeah, yeah. She's a regular on that. So maybe. She's very good on that. Yeah. And so maybe that's part of the reason she's in people's consciousness yeah. and not, not in ours. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's the thing is I don't watch um, How to Get Away with Murder. I don't watch Bloodline. So, and a lot of. I guess. Well, it's nice to see she's having a resurgence, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, hopefully that points people towards some of her earlier work. Yeah. And, and, and um, of course, is in the bedroom. Uh, I think did you already say that. Yeah. Um, um, but speaking of TV, I remember because there was probably I'd seen her. In, I'm looking. There were a couple of things like Tuck Everlasting and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, well, I guess that's the only one um, after after in the bedroom. And I guess she had kind of fallen off my radar until in at the uh, the second uh, second to last season or last season of Big Love. She showed up hmm. um, as I think she was supposed to be a like a state senator. I think uh-huh. Utah something. She was something in the world, well, the pol- world of politics. I'm one of five people who watched Big Love all the way through to the end. I was going to say, um, <laughs> uh, and she's terrific. And I and I and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Susie Spacek. We approve. Moving on. Moving okay. on. Uh, here, yeah, here's somebody that part of me felt like I expected her to be higher on the list. But also, she's not someone that's talked about that much anymore. And that's Jodie Foster. Hmm. I don't know. Your thoughts? My thoughts on Jodie Foster? Yes. Well, she recently came back into the news in the past couple years, I think because of directing a film that Mel Gibson's in. Right. Um, the Beaver, right? Yes, And then I saw she that. also just uh, directed something else recently, too. She did. I think she's trying to try- Money make Monster. a- Money Monster. Money Monster. That's, Monster, that's the that's one. Right. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I think she's definitely moving more in that direction. Uh, I think that she's a very capable actress. I still can't think like I, not a whole lot of movies of hers come to mind. Panic room, I think is really great with the young Christian mm-hmm. Stewart as well. Um, and then obviously silence of the lambs, super iconic performance. Yeah. But other than that, I'm kind of a little, Oh, and then taxi driver. Taxi driver. I mean, hell yeah. she's been in everything. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan and I, I like that she, um, uh, picks her roles carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Keanu Reeves in a way that she picks her roles carefully, but also does stuff like panic room and flight plan. That seems like it's yeah. not, it's not all heady stuff. She mm-hmm. has fun movies. Although I, I, I never saw flight plan and I, I'm not a big panic room fan. Um, I unfortunately. did. See, I did see flight plan. I thought she was very good in that. I never saw the brave one, but I always wanted, okay. but I wanted to. And I kind of, until uh, when I, when I was looking for like, Photos of people to post uh, uh, on our website in regards to this. I remember I thought, oh, the brave one. I forgot all about that movie, and now I want to see it because I'm sure she's very good. There's, I think she recognizes that there's a she's a very specific type of actress. Like she has a very specific way of talking mm-hmm. that won't necessarily lend itself to every character. Well, you know, she's not accent. actually Nell. What right? was that? Oh yeah, <laughs> it, she's either you know talking very deliberately or not at all. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, you said that it's almost like an accent. It's a it's yeah. a very specific cadence. I think there's a, a, several actresses and actors like that as well that have such a specific voice that it's. Uh, I think that's a bit yeah. of a handicap to the handicap to them sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, it can be anyway. Um, yeah, uh, and a few years ago she was in Carnage, which is not a great movie. Oh but, yeah, um, I like her in it. She, it's, all four of the cast members in that movie are are great. It's just that Roman Polanski is giving you everything and like one and a half speed. It feels like yeah. when I listen to a podcast and I want to get through it quickly for information. That's what carnage feels like to me. It's like, let's take a breath. Uh, this movie. Why do people do that? I've heard people say that like, Oh, I want to, I'm listening to something and I want to get over it quick. I want to get through it thick quickly. So I do one and a half speed. That fascinates me. Cause I, well, I never just want to me the, to do they just want the information. Yeah, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts that are oh, like, okay. let's yeah. preview the games this weekend or let's recap the games this weekend. And so sometimes it's like, I don't need to luxuriate in your banter. I okay. just kind of want to like get your opinions and facts. On okay. This and fair on. enough. All right. Next up, here we go. Odd choice. Well, this is goes back to what I'm talking about. Body of work versus super important, uh, uh iconic, yeah. Role. And, boy, oh uh, boy. Yeah, so uh it's it's Maria Falconetti who played uh Joan of Arc in The Passion of Joan of Arc. Yeah. And nothing else really. I think she's in one other thing or two. This is the ultimate film nerd selection. Yeah. But I I I I mean um, it's one of the best performances yeah. of all time, but this to me is like Charles Lawton being on a best director's list. Where it's like, well, I can't argue with Night of the Hunter being like one of the best directorial achievements, but how do we even? S- yeah. What do you do scale we- it against? What yeah. do you? Yeah. But honestly, I'm really glad she's on the list. Yeah. I, because I, um, had, I saw this movie for the first time probably more recently than either of you, like mm-hmm. in the last year. I talked about it in the oh, podcast wow. that I had, uh, yeah, missed the boat on, on that one. And, um, yeah, so I'm like, I was I say, like, I say, oh wow, like it's a super normal thing to watch. <laughs> oh my gosh, you poor thing. But but it's like that um, the Jim Gaffigan joke about always seeing movies like oh, yeah, four yeah. years. Everybody is like, I just saw Heat. Yeah. You guys want to talk about Heat? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what I was like. I was like, I came to the podcast. I was like, you guys, Passion of Joan of Arc is one of the greatest movies of all time. And, and I think you and Scott were like, Hot yeah, take everyone, in the 80s. everyone knows that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm glad she's on the list. Yeah, and she definitely carries it. And at the same time, like that is a film of close-ups, and she's being very emotive, but ethereal. also not. Yeah, ethereal is perfect. That's a perfect. Sort of word. staring over the shoulder, <laughs> cinematographer. <Yeah. laughs> well, um, let's let's move on. Okay. to someone who I'm sure, I mean, has a great body of work, but I'm yeah. sure if it weren't for Constantine, she wouldn't be on the list. Sure, sure. That's Tilda Swinton, who of course plays the angel Gabriel oh my goodness. in Constantine. Um, but no, uh, t- yeah, peek behind the curtain, Tilda Swinton was on my uh, list mm-hmm. um, because I feel like it's weird I'm going to keep coming back to Keanu Reeves. but like <laughs> That's not weird at all, just let it out. <laughs> but there is a certain... Uh, there's, there's a certain thing. This, some, this is something else that came up in the um, comment section on, on our uh, uh, website about the top actors list about how certain actors, like I think some people were upset that Jimmy Stewart was above Daniel Day Lewis, and one person oh, said, please. Uh, <laughs> one person said that Jimmy Stewart doesn't disappear into a role like Daniel Day Lewis right. does. 
And uh, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's, that's not always okay. what you want. Sometimes yeah. you want. And so, yeah, I think Tilda Swinton is fantastic and she can be quite chameleonic like yeah. in um, Trainwreck. Um, which is a uh, which is awesome, but uh, I, I or for- Michael Clayton is another one. Snowpiercer, I always forget mm-hmm. that's her. Yep, uh, you know. But there's always something that's Tilda about Swindony. her. Yes. Yeah, um, and that's so she's someone that I like. Her being in a movie is make, is going to make me more excited yeah. to see that movie. It's just oh, so yeah. fun to watch her do her thing, which yeah. is so inimitable and just yeah, it just it is fun to watch. And to clarify, I feel the same way about Keanu Reeves. Is what I'm saying. Okay. That he 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 Keanu Reeves clearly doesn't disappear into roles, <laughs> right? But there's something that he brings that I always want to see. Um, so yeah, Tilda Swinton, she's just like Keanu Reeves. I do like I like that he is kind of our uh, Rosetta Stone on this. Yeah. Uh, that he's he is now our our touchstone for our that. Northern Light. But our the, no- I, oh, absolutely. Have they been in anything together? Like, oh anything? my goodness, than, let's get it going. <laughs> uh, other than Constantine, right? Uh, let's see. I mean, I guess Constantine is a good enough, because I don't know why I like set Constantine aside. Maybe because I'm the only one at the table who's seen it. Um, I can't think of anything, but one performance, a recent one that comes to mind would be in the Wes Anderson film. The most recent one, Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest. Oh yeah. She yeah. plays like a very old woman and yes. she does yeah. it. It's amazing. She does such a great job yeah. of it. She's also great in Moonrise Kingdom. As she is. Social services. Yeah. She is. But what I was going to say about, and I, uh, yeah, Constantine is a perfect example, but you guys haven't seen it. Like those are two beautiful weirdos. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, beautiful weirdos are my favorite kind of people. Well, that's, that's definitely her. She's, she's, it's fascinating how easily she can play, you know, like her character in Michael Clayton, who, yes, she's deeply neurotic and insecure, but she fits in in the corporate world. She can seem very put together, but then she can be a complete weirdo like in, you know, Only Lovers Left Alive or oh, Snowpiercer. So good. Yeah. Um, she's you know, also great in, um, oh, shoot. What is that? It was just the beach. The, the beach. Is she in that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, um. They're all named after Looney Tunes characters. Is she? Is she? Which one is she? Taz. No. Oh, I was thinking of. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, oh I yeah, that. damn right. Yeah, she's marvelous. That's the thing. Like, I keep forgetting. Oh, she's, she's in the deep end. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I keep um, forgetting how. Yeah, like, she's, the, the number of movies she's been in. Oh, Sal, everything. Um, Sylvester. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess the beach was probably the first thing I saw her in. But I think the first thing I really remember, or maybe right after that, I saw her in the deep end, which is again, she's such a weirdo in a great mm-hmm. way. I mean, I when I use the word weirdo, that's how I describe myself. I mean, that always is a good thing. Being a weirdo is always a great thing. Um, but the deep end is such a conventional type of role. She's a, a housewife, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I think she's a weirdo uh, in the same way that this is going to sound lofty. I apologize. I think she's just a weirdo. She finds the weirdo in like her characters. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's not so hard to find them, uh, like if she's a vampire. But I think she finds like little Id- idiosyncrasies that everybody has. Everybody's a weirdo in their own way, mm-hmm. and I think she recognizes that and finds, and within that finds humanity. Uh, I think her, even though her character's essentially a villain in Michael Clayton, like she's a very human villain and a very uh, idiosyncratic one. Um, you have to be so comfortable with yourself as a person to get to that level of acting, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And from the interviews I've read with her, it just seems like she is herself completely. And I think that that's kind of an amazing gift to give the rest of us. And it does make sense. Like, think of just the, the different directors that she has worked with. And it makes it makes perfect sense that she would work with Jim Jarmusch. Mm-hmm. It also makes perfect sense that she would work with, with Wes Anderson. Or, um, oh, shoot. Who made, uh, who made Michael Clayton? 
Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy. Is that right? It sounds right. Okay. And like, who is a very, a very different kind of director and writer than the other two, but she just fits right in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we should actually move on now. Sorry. Let's this move is- on to someone who wasn't on my list, but frankly should have been. Yeah. Surprise me that she, it wasn't. Yes. Because she stars in easily a top two or three movie of all time for me, black narcissist. And it's Deborah mm-hmm. Carr. Um, I believe it's pronounced car, even though there's no A in it. Yeah, it's, that's a, how. it's an E. But everyone says car, so that's what I just said. Yeah. That's how the, that's how the British are. No know. objections here. All right, mm-hmm. we're going with car. Um, Lieutenant Carr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, uh, now I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel like I built it up. Now I, I feel like I'm kind of at a loss um, as far as what to say about Deborah Carr, but she's, uh, I, I guess... She's the perfect mix of um, she's a you know a screen knockout and a beauty, and also a, a sort of every woman in a lot of ways. Do you know what I what I mean? Do you mm-hmm. guys, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And Black Narcissist requires her to play. Uh, it's it's weirdly part of the reason I like this movie so much is that it's a melodrama and so it's big, but it's also about something that she has to play very much under the surface, which is that she's being essentially driven insane with sexual repression, um, and she's like lusting for this man, but she's got this like her whole nun thing going on, um, and she so she's like she's she's big and small at the same time in that movie. Well, now you're actually quoting the movie because when she says, "Well, I like you and everything, but I got this nun thing going on," yeah. Um, and let's not forget that she plays three roles in the life and death of Colonel Blimp. That's right. Um, That's right. Each of them distinct, but the idea, the very fact that they're casting one person in all three roles means that there needs to be something that unites all of them. Uh, and well, the fact that she is playing all of them is what does that. But I think she also has to find a certain commonality in all of them while also being distinct. And I think she does. Um, you know, it took me a while when I first saw it to realize, Oh yeah, that's the same actress. I, you know, cause right. it just didn't really occur to me that they would do that. Um, it's just such, and she, she pulls it off. Um, we should point out, we're doing kind of a Gong Lee thing here talking about, um, talking around the fact that to American audiences, she's probably best known for from here to eternity, right? That's the American movie she would be best known for, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Was she in Philadelphia story? Uh, no, that's, um, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. No. no, there's a younger woman, the other reporter. Uh, let's um, see here. His name is Ruth something. Yeah, her first movie was in 19. 19- oh, sorry, scenes deleted. Uh, so her first official movie was 1941 in Love on the Dole. Uh, yeah, so From Here to Eternity is a great movie. And just, of course, that iconic image of her rolling around yeah. in the sand. Um, I still have not seen it. Uh, yeah. I'll see it eventually. Um,. But yeah, everyone keep in mind whenever you see that, like, oh, isn't it so romantic? They're making out in the sand. Um, in the movie, that's not her husband. That is... <laughs> oh, morality police. <laughs> Just saying. It's not entirely a romantic scene. Yeah. Someone uh, somewhere is getting hurt. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, next up. Also, oh, I just want to mention Bonjour Tristesse with her and David Niven, which is a great movie. Sacre bleu. Um, all right. Next up was my number one. And, cool. it's, and here's something I found interesting, something that I wanted to bring up. Based on what we've said earlier, Viola Davis, Sissy Spacek, and now number 15, sorry, number 16, Kathy Bates. All actresses that have not necessarily gotten a second career, but they are now known for TV as well as film. Like Kathy Bates is on American Horror Story and is 
I haven't seen a single season of it, but I know that she's often given like really fun characters to play. Um, she is, uh, I'm not sure if she's my favorite actress anymore, but she's usually in the top three for me. I think she's a marvelous actress and one that is, you know, willing to do whatever, if it means being a complete crazy person in misery or, you know, being nude and about Schmidt playing a character that's very free with, with everything about her. Um, and I love her in primary colors. I think she's great in that. She's just a, a such a dependable actress. She also has a very nice turn in uh, Titanic. She does. Yes. She does, yeah. And she just has such a, and she's a, she has a nice moment in rat race. I don't know if anybody remembers oh, her no. from Rat Race. <laughs> no, I, I not. saw Rat Race. I don't remember the moment you're talking about. Though. She's the one who I think like offers to to like sell them a squirrel or something <laughs> like right. that, and then they say no, and so she says, "Okay, well, you'll just go down this road and take a left." And uh, they take a left, and there's a sign. There are a number of signs that say, "You should have bought a squirrel," and then you go off a cliff. Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But it's a uh, underrated movie. Hot take. I agree. I, I agree. The 100%. hottest <laughs> fiery stove of hot takes. Um, but that's the thing. She can she can play drama. I think she, you know, I think she's definitely a, a character actress, and that she tends to be cast as characters that are a bit over the top. Even in Titanic, she's you know Molly very Brown, much she, larger than life. Um, well, yeah, one thing we talked about a lot, um, and some of my favorite actors last week was uh, the actors who can bring. Uh, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who can bring comedy mm-hmm. even if it's not a comedy. Yeah, and Kathy Bates is is great at that mm-hmm. because yeah. there's a I think there's a very like earthy human reality to her, and she and be, when she's yeah. rooted in that, there's a you kind of just want to laugh with her <laughs> a little bit, you know? Yeah, and I mean even as Annie Wilkes, there are moments when she's funny even after we've seen her be absolutely lethally crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, she's just a, a very unique actress. I'm I'm excited that she wound up on this list. I wasn't, even though I put her at number one, I was not expecting her to get a lot of support. So I'm excited that she did. Yeah, she was also uh, Gertrude Stein in Midnight in Paris. That's true. Yes, and I recall her being very good in that. All right, number fifteen. This, uh, I I'm guess, this surprised. doesn't surprise me. I'm surprised it's so far down on the list. That's I think that's what surprises Th- me. That but, really surprised me. Yeah, and it's uh, Kate Winslet. Which I guess I don't know. It's uh, she is you know one of the one of the big actresses uh, and has been for the last you know, twenty years I'd say because I think what Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. was uh, ninety five. So yeah, it's been over twenty years at this point, and she just keeps getting Oscar nominations and she keeps turning in really really interesting performances. I'd say one of my favorite performances of hers is in Little Children. Damn right, and she gets to play someone very different than her she normally does and yeah. with body insecurities and uh, the you know pressures of domesticity is that's just such an interesting role and I was very su- pleasantly surprised by her in that yeah and and stuff like uh eternal sunshine of the spotless oh. mind mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah such like such range my yeah. goodness like I don't think I knew that she could do that until I saw that movie and I was completely blown away yeah I tend to think of her as well, she is British, but I tend to think of her as very kind of upper class, maybe because of the stuff that I saw her in first. Mm. But then you see how easily she strips that off for Eternal Sunshine and Little Children that she can play. I think in Little Children, there's a scene where she's like, I know this sounds weird, but I think she's like wearing overalls. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember just thinking like, that's the, that's the woman from Titanic right. just playing this housewife. <laughs> just a mom. Who just, yeah. yeah. Uh, she can, she can seem very glamorous at times mm-hmm. and very just someone you could meet uh, down the street. And uh, it's interesting. So is, is Titanic the first thing you saw her in? Probably. Yes. I think, I think so. for me, it was probably heavenly creatures. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, with the and, great Melanie Linsky. Yeah. The incredible Melanie Linsky who should be on this list. Who I didn't even realize until recently is not from here. New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. cast her in that. That was her first film and they cast her out of school. Yeah. And I haven't um, seen that. So I, you know, I think I saw her do with her natural accent recently. Yeah. And I thought, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying is because that was what I saw first. I've always thought of Kay Winslet as having kind of an undercurrent of like. Poshness. No, uh, more like counterculture-ness. Oh, okay. Like I think of her as like, I don't know. She's like. It sits on a shelf in my brain alongside, like, the Smiths and stuff that, like, hmm. uh, I don't know, cool high school girls are into. <laughs> well, and there's also, uh, she's an interesting actress, and I, I feel, I don't know, I'm iffy about bringing this up, but there is often a great deal of sexuality in her characters, mm-hmm. um, whether it be Little Children or even Titanic, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's some, and uh, something like The Reader, which yeah. has a lot in there, and she's somebody who... I'm like Hugh Jackman. I didn't see the reader. Oh, fa- fa- you know what? I bet he did see the reader. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was lying to us musically, which is so much worse. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like, uh, and she brings a very specific quality to these scenes where sometimes, as in the reader, she's definitely in charge. But also, I don't know. I think she brings a very she, matter-of-fact kind of sexuality to her characters yeah she really is able to bring out what sometimes gets internalized i think Mm -hmm. and it's sort of this uh it's like this realized undercurrent of sexuality that often exists in situations and she's able to bring that to the surface more easily yeah without making her character all about that yeah without it being threatening it's just another facet of being a woman yeah yeah and i guess at 15 that's not bad but given our listeners and just given that where we are right now like she's still very much she's always in consideration for like oscars and stuff like that i i am surprised that she's as low as she is knowing again very strange 15 is not bad when you consider every actress that has ever lived and has worked in film Mm -hmm. well wait Um, until you all see the dressmaker oh fair enough damn right it's great and i still haven't seen uh was it labor day oh yeah i still want to see that Okay. Making pies in the kitchen. Yeah, they're Labor both. Day. <laughs> they're both ridiculous movies. The Dressmaker, I think, is ridiculous. Is great. Mm-hmm. Labor Day, I think, might be terrible, but I yeah. also am fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's accurate. That's how I feel about <laughs> the Paperboy. Okay. Uh, did you ever see the Paperboy, the the Lee Daniels film? I did. I liked it actually. I think it's a. It's I don't a, it's normally a, like his movies. I will say. I think it's a mess. Oh yeah, it's, it's trying, a hot but mess. But it, it's boy, it's oh. That's one of those movies that's like, oh, I feel like I need to take a shower afterwards. Yeah. Not because it's like dirty, but because it's grimy. Mm. Ugh, the South. No, thank you. Should we move on? Yes. All yeah, right. The other Next person up. who should have been on my list and wasn't, Catherine Deneuve, mm-hmm. uh, subject of one of our uh, artist profile episodes right. going back a few years. Um, and someone that uh, – um, I feel weird that I keep referencing what we talked about last week, but um, in terms of – You've got both here. You've got great characters like in uh, Belle de Jour, but you've also got someone who is still, like Catherine Deneuve is still going strong. If you see the 
middlebrow like French uh, somewhat art house movies that I see constantly. You see, I've seen like five Catherine Deneuve movies in the last five years. Either. Yeah, she was in A Christmas Tale. Yeah, she's great in that. She's fantastic as this you know kind of really powerful matriarch who controls the whole family with a flick yeah. of her wrist and. Uh, but this is the same woman who's in Repulsion, and mm-hmm. that uh-huh. I think that was the first. I saw that at the New Beverly maybe 10 years ago, and that movie just was, it felt so, I don't know, just perfectly cast and perfectly acted in that. I actually still have not seen Repulsion. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What is this? Um, oh, and let's not forget The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yes. Great movie. Uh, I said Bill DeJour. The Young Girls of Rochefort, which, yeah, is, uh, also which I saw. an amazing movie. Um, I think when I did my, when we were asked to give our top 10 of all time to represent the internet mm-hmm. at Film School Rejects, I think I included uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort as one of the 10 best movies of all time. I think where Bridget Bardot is a very obvious kind of sexuality or a very obvious kind of like glamour, uh, Catherine Deneuve is sort of the more intelligent answer to Bridget Bardot. <laughs> and she has such an emotive, expressive face and is able to communicate so much about the interior life yeah. that... Uh, yeah, I think she I feel like deserves more credit than she gets sometimes. I'm like that dummy Bridget Bardot. Right? Yeah, what a lame <laughs> <laughs> No, not to speak poorly of her, because I mean, Contempt, uh, are you kidding me? Incredible performance, but yeah, she's not on the list, so we don't get to talk about her. Catherine's move to me is like, you have like an aunt who's either like divorced or never married and is still cool, but also still like very classy. Like she probably drinks, but also smokes weed. <laughs> but like is probably still dating and like she's 70 like i, I have this idea of she'll uh, buy you something expensive and that yeah. you don't need and you kind of don't want but also you'll take it sure yeah that's who Catherine Deneuve is she's great and also an incredible actress yeah, yeah. i guess i guess there's <laughs> yeah, that too we'll give her that um but mostly she's on this list because of that cool aunt thing um okay so number 13 julia binoche Yes, and if, if if we had done this list when I was in film school, she absolutely would have been on my on my list because that was yeah. the time that I was um, discovered. Well, I guess it was I was in high school when I discovered Krzysztof Kieślowski, and then in, in mm-hmm. film school is when I got into Michael Haneke, um, and of course mm-hmm. saw. Uh, I think Code Unknown was the first like new Michael Haneke movie that I saw after I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and she's uh, great in that to the point where she, I mean, she's so good in that the movie is literally hard for me to watch, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I guess a lot of Haneke movies are hard to yeah. watch, but yeah, uh, she adds to that in, in, in Code Unknown. Blue is definitely probably yeah. one of the finest directed films of all time and her performance in it is incredible. Um, and then also at the same time, uh, so yeah, 2000 was a big, maybe that's why, 2000 was a big year for her because yeah. over on these shores, she was on the aforementioned Chocolat, in the aforementioned Chocolat, um, which I saw twice in the theater and I don't think it's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, but she was also in Code Unknown and she was in The Widow of St. Pierre. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, which, yeah, because another. We did a profile. We profiled the director, Patrice Lacan. Um, and that was. Uh, now I feel very. Um, I very happily embrace that I'm a big fan of romantic period melodrama movies. Um, but it was Widow of St. Pierre is really good. Yeah. It, was, it was a surprise to me at the time that I loved the widow of St. Pierre. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a, the year 2000. She was, uh, yeah, back to back to back. Well, and there's, there's a, a quality to her, um, that, you know, we've talked about other, other actresses, uh, that, bring a certain degree of, of sexuality to their roles. And I think she does that. But at the same time, she's somebody who 
you know, as far back as I think that maybe the earliest thing I've seen of her is the English patient, but that might not be true. No, I guess, uh, no, three colors, obviously. Um, there's a real sadness to her that it's very palpable. Um, even in something like Chocolat, where her character for the most part is, is she's in, she's in the right and she knows she's in the right and she's a strong character, but there's, there's a real sadness, uh, and a real loneliness that she tends to bring to her characters. Uh, obviously something like blue, it makes sense why that would be the case, but, um, but yeah, I, there's just something in her eyes that makes me just feel for her so much. Uh, and I feel like there's a real vulnerability going on with her. And while I do not like the English patient, she is very good in it. And she's pl- and that's a character that is pretty much perpetually grieving. Um, and yeah, she's a, a very magnetic actress on screen and somebody who, the minute she shows up, I feel like I, I'm, I start welling up because I know that uh, this is going to be probably sad, even if it's not. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, okay, we can move even on. Even in the 2002 French, French comedy Jet Lag. Yep, especially. With, with her and... Dan uh, in real life. Uh, <laughs> Dan in real life. Uh, here, uh, who's next, Tyler? Next is an actress that I'm mostly unfamiliar with. I mean, I've seen a couple things here and there, but I have not seen very much Audrey Hepburn. Really? Yeah. That's strange considering she's considered, you know, one of the best actresses of all time. Yeah, I and I think it's just, you know... Well, I, you've seen Breakfast at Tiffany, surely. You've no. seen, like, what? What is going on around here? I know. I saw Wait Until Dark. Mm, okay, well, that's a pretty good one. I like that one. Uh, I remember I saw um, uh, Robin and Marion, mm-hmm. where she plays Maid Mary, like an older yeah. Maid Marion. Uh, to Sean Connery's uh, Robin Hood, and she's very good in that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm I'm looking her up right now, and uh, yeah, there's just not much that. Uh, she's in Funny Face with uh, Fred Astaire, I yeah. believe, and very good in that. Of course, she's in. Um, I did just see My Fair Lady for the first time. Yes, I was going to say My Fair Lady. She's excellent in that. Terrible accent, which is adorable as all get out. Yeah, I do find myself wondering. I think this is a problem with the film, not necessarily her mm-hmm. performance, that I find myself uh, looking at a character and being like, you know, this Henry Higgins guy is a real jerk to her, but you know what? I think I would be too, because she's very annoying. Oh, dear. Um, but that's... Uh, but that, that, I think that's a problem with the with the film and the way it maybe uh, is a bit elitist. Sure, um, she's very good in Sabrina. Also, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> and she that's is funny. in Sabrina. Yeah, that's funny for reasons that our listeners don't even know. Yeah, that, that's that's right. Right. Um, she is. You know, I did see Sabrina. And she's very good in that. I, I love that scene where she's. Uh, <laughs> she's trying to kill herself, and she's in this garage. <laughs> Hilarious. Listen, listen, she's in this garage and so she turns on the car, uh, the car, I think even a couple of cars, Mm because I think it's it's the chauffeur's garage. There's a lot of cars. So she turns on all these cars so that she'll, you know, uh, uh, asphyxiate. But she also finds that it's uh, uh, it's a little little uh, musty in here uh, because of all the fumes. So she goes to like open a window like instinctively Uh to let the fumes out, even though it doesn't occur to her that she's now doing opposite. She's doing opposite things and it's the most charming scene I've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I guess I have seen more of her than I realize. Her um, style. I stepped out for a second. Okay. Did we mention wait until dark? Yes. Yet? Okay. Her style. And, um, I think her attitude also inspired countless generations of women. So yeah. I think as a style icon and as, 
someone who's seen as very elegant and classy. Uh, she and Marilyn Monroe probably vie for most influential. <laughs> and I guess uh, I haven't seen Roman Holiday. I haven't seen oh, Breakfast at Tiffany. So, so like those are two of the of the. She's big ones. really great in Roman Holiday. I gotta. I guess I gotta see it. They're worth seeing. I mean, Cary Grant's in that one. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Cary, Grant, Cary Grant has its moments. The his fourth moments, best actor of all time. That's what I've heard. I don't remember where I heard that. Should let's, we move on? Let's move on to number 11. We're on the, we're on the brink of the top right. 10 here. Um, There's one that I submitted. Uh, why don't you introduce them? It is uh, Francis McDormand, who is, I think, one of the most interesting American actors uh, to come about in the last 20, 25 years. Um, I guess, was uh, Blood Simple her debut? Uh, I think I think it was. Um, yes, it was, according to IMDb. Yeah, she's somebody who has been incredibly interesting when she was young, all the way through now. I don't know how old she is. I think I assume she's probably in her fifties. Um, but yeah, I, you see Fargo, and I think Fargo is probably like her essential role. But at the same time. She's great and almost famous. I was going to say almost famous. She's so delightful. Yeah. Which is a movie I don't like that much, but she's wonderful in all of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great. We can't just name Coen Brothers movies, but she's great in Raising Arizona. Yeah. You know, and she's like, you got to do that. You got to get the babies dip tat. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, she was in a movie called North Country. Did you ever see it? No. It's not good. Okay. Uh, but Putting it um, on go, my list. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> you know what? It is good until the third <laughs> act. Uh, and then the third act, there's a trial. Come on, people. Mm. It's, it's, it's a really, that part of it is really bad. But the lead performance, uh, the lead uh, actress is uh, Charlize Theron. Um, and Frances McDormand is in a supporting role. And she playing kind of this... Uh, because all these working class characters and she kind of plays this tough broad and, and she's, she seems very much unlike her. Um, when I think of, of Frances McDormand, I, I, I think of her as somebody who's often very capable, but also can maybe sometimes go to pieces, but I might be thinking about almost famous in that regard. Um, so for her to play this, this very, I don't think she actually chomps a cigar and yet somehow in my mind she does in that, in that movie. Uh, I'm not sure if I would recommend the movie, but at the same time you would need to watch the movie to see her performance. Cause she is marvelous, uh, in that movie. Uh, I like her in, you know, the man who wasn't there. She's very good in Mississippi burning. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's somebody who brings, obviously brings a lot of humor to every character and brings a, a lot of vulnerability, especially when she was younger and in blood simple. She's, uh, she seems very, not damsel in distress-ish, but she's someone that you want to protect. It's weird how I was thinking about how rarely she plays that sort of um, girlfriend or love interest mm-hmm. role. Uh, I mean, Blood, Blood Simple, she's kind of a co-lead, I guess, to a certain extent. But uh, I'd say she's more John Getz. Mm. You think she's the lead? I guess I guess co-leads. Um, I think yeah, of I think her more, but maybe it's because um, I know her more. But she did play a, a girlfriend role in a movie that I love, which is Dark Man. <laughs> yeah she's the girlfriend in that and i think she's great um but yeah uh and finally uh, i know we're a movie podcast we're talking about movies but if you haven't seen olive kittredge um the oh, movie sure. series from a, a year or two ago um it's great uh not just for andy sandberg's emmys joke when he said i didn't see olive kittredge i only saw half of kittredge 
<laughs> that's funny. That's terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's my kind of my kind of humor. That is very much your kind of humor, which reminds me, uh, can we not be hang out hang out anymore? Okay. It's <laughs> off-putting. We actually don't. That's true. We I do mean, this podcast together. Yeah. Oh, I was uh, going to replace you uh, with Amanda, actually. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> um, okay, All number right. 10. Into the top 10. Yes. Here we go. Who is it? It is Liv Ullman, an actress that oh. I mostly am unfamiliar with uh, because I've seen uh, criminally few Bergman films. What I saw have pers- you been doing with your life? <laughs> I've been doing this dumb podcast. Yeah, it takes up so much time. You have no time to see Bergman? <laughs> exactly. What's going on? Um, no, oddly enough, the, the movies I've seen of his are not, you know, I, I did see Persona, um, which... I thought well, was amazing. Checked that box, then yeah, didn't exactly. We? That's one down. Bergman. I get it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, but you know, I saw Seven Seal. I saw um, Wild Strawberries. I've seen uh, The Virgin Spring. Mm-hmm. So like, not her movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Cries and Whispers, which I've heard is marvelous. Um, but yeah, so enough about what I haven't seen. Let's talk about what you guys have seen. Live well, Ullman. I wow me. Recently, uh, somewhat recently, within the past year, saw the Criterion put out the Blu-ray of the um, Jan Troil. Um, Diptych, uh, The Emigrants in the New Land, uh, mm-hmm. with her and uh, Max von Sydow and a cast of thousands, <laughs> a dozen or so other people. Sure. Um, but that's, uh, I don't know if you've seen these movies. Um, they're they're both more than two and a half hours long, but it's really just one, it's like a, essentially one six-hour movie that was released uh, in two parts a year apart. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, she's uh, terrific in that as um, someone who is... Uh, I think, you know, we were talking about Frances McDormand playing like the girlfriend role in, in this, she's very much, she's very much the wife to Max von Sydow, but it's not that it's the movie or the story that's making her secondary. It's her, her adherence to traditional, uh, domestic roles and, um, uh, also very much religious roles. She's much more religious than he is. Um, so you see, you see someone giving a full performance as a as an uh, a secondary human being. I guess is what I'm saying. It's a it's a fine line that she's walking there, but I think it's a it's a terrific performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should move on to number nine. Somebody who honestly is not is just not on my radar for the most part, and that is Betty Davis. I've seen all about Eve. And she is, of course, marvelous in it, mm-hmm. as is everybody. You know, a, a movie that has Betty Davis and George Sanders, that's the classiest yet cattiest movie that could ever exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think I've only seen maybe one or two of the movies that she's been in. And, well, of uh, course, there's The Watcher in the Woods. Which I watched when I was a kid, yeah. uh, as we all did. Um, but yeah, she's yet another person that I'm mostly unfamiliar with. Uh, there's one film of hers that I really dearly love called Dark Victory mm-hmm. um, with a very young Humphrey Bogart playing like a stable hand. It's kind of funny. But uh, she's a woman who, you know, has this contagion or this disease that's very debilitating and uh, in the end I think loses her eyesight and is on the brink of death. And throughout the film she has this sort of low simmering rage, which I kind of have come to think of as the Betty Davis staple, hmm. is this kind of like internalized fire and this internalized fight against people. And I think that, uh, she was very popular for her beauty and, uh, is obviously well known as a very fine film actress, but I think that that kind of underlying anger is 
something you don't, people aren't often known for that. And I think that that's kind of a wonderful characteristic of an actor. It, it is interesting that, um, that I know more about her mm-hmm. than mm. I've seen of her, you know, um, and not merely that, uh, apparently she has very interesting eyes, uh, based on that song by, I don't remember, mm-hmm. um, um, Kim, Kim something. Kim, yes. Uh, but one of the things that I, that I, that just has, has seeped into pop culture in regards to her is that there is a toughness to her um, that I guess you could say about a number of the notable actresses of the time, you know, like a Catherine Hepburn and, and a few Crawford. other people that we're going to get to, Joan Crawford. Um, and she was in uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Joan Crawford, yeah. correct? Um, which I haven't seen, but I've also heard, have you seen it? Not in a long time. Like, not enough to, like, remember much about it. I've heard that that's a movie that you need to see, but is also super trashy and you probably shouldn't see. Oh, dear. When I say you, I mean, obviously, everybody. Oh, I know. So it's one that I kind of have... People say that about me? <laughs> that I shouldn't <laughs> see it? <specifically? laughs> yeah. like, I really get around. <laughs> My goodness. Like, when, when we announced that you were going to be on this episode, say, like, hey, just when you don't, get to Betty Davis... Don't let her see it, please. Just, we've, <laughs> just no, she's it's got trashy. Such a sensitive she sensibility. shouldn't see it, yeah. <laughs> um, but I yes, will point out, was, I'm also not very... Uh, as familiar as I should be with Betty Davis, but I did see a movie uh, called Thank Your Lucky Stars, um, which I saw um, at, uh, sorry, I just got a concerning text. Um, I saw in a uh, class I took in film school on war propaganda. And Thank Your Lucky Stars is a movie where a a whole bunch of Hollywood actors play themselves. And it's basically just a two-hour sort of review that's basically trying to tell you to buy war bonds. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Well, uh, did you buy any? Uh, I did. I did not buy any war bonds, <sighs> David. Well, it's now like America is going to go to hell because of you. So. Exactly. Um, so I think we'll. Uh, so our homework from this episode is to see way more Betty Davis films. Yeah, all of absolutely. us. Yeah, she. I mean, she. Okay, not that. Not that Oscars means everything, but she won a number of Oscars. Uh, no, she. I think it's just a, a matter of time. Honestly, I think the more removed we get from the earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of the last century, it's just harder to yeah. access those films or to want to see them. I think yeah. oftentimes they seem very slow to us today and our attention wanders or, you know, they're still fantastic films, but it's just harder to make yourself watch things like that sometimes. And I think if I'm being honest with myself, um, you know, I may be a movie, I, I'm 34 years old. I may be like a big movie person right now. And I always have been, but for a good portion of my life, I was a young man who wasn't that interested in older movies. But if I was, I was interested in film noir specifically. Like, and and it was like Humphrey Bogart that attracted me to a movie, uh, not a Catherine Hepburn, not a uh, Betty Davis uh, or a Barbara Stanwyck, uh, who we'll talk about in a moment. But um, spoilers, spoilers, yeah, yeah. By the time this episode goes up, people know that already. I wonder um, so much if that toughness that we see in them is kind of fighting for spotlight or fighting for attention and having to like kind of be the only one on your team in a sense in that system in that day and age. Yeah, yeah it could be. And it's, uh, and it's frustrating to me that w- something like this and, and my, my general uh, unfamiliarity with, with Betty Davis, like it frustrates me that you know, not that not that I am not that I associate her with romantic comedies, but let's go back to like Audrey Hepburn. 
I I have no doubt that I would watch Breakfast at Tiffany's now and enjoy it tremendously, especially that uh, Mickey Rooney character. Um, (laughs) But then same with Roman Holiday. I'm sure I would enjoy that as well. But neither of those is romantic or comedy, by the way. I thought they were romantic. Well, they're romantic, yes, but they're not like romantic comedies. We'll just say we'll say romance or romantic comedies, either one. Um, I wasn't interested in either one when I was younger, and so it's only probably in the last five, 10 years that I have started to recognize, Oh no, there's good stuff here. Um, it's hard to fill in the backlog too. I think that there's so many new films coming out, but something that always concerned me with film criticism, especially was that lack of the foundational understanding to see where things came from. And I definitely have plenty of those holes in my own education as well that I need to fill, but it's also like, eh, there's so little time. And I don't know. I hate, I hate that laziness in myself though. (laughs) Well, and that's, it's, it's frustrating because if, if you're going to be, you know, uh, if if you're the kind of film critic I am, which is uh, one who has a day job, Mm -hmm. um, then it's like, okay, I've got two hours to see a movie. I can either go back and watch something amazing that I know is good that nobody is talking about, as David was talking, you know, mentioned earlier that Jim Gaffigan bit about Heat, uh, or I could watch something that's in theaters now and be part of the conversation people are having. And it's just, and you wind up, I wind up picking the, the latter option, which is uh, very frustrating. Then, I, you know, for Christmas, I get a bunch of movies and I've got the time because I'm taking time off work. And then I go and watch Red River and realize it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and I curse myself for not having seen it uh, earlier. But, uh, but yeah, so Dark Victory is the one that you come away with. Uh, I really that you said. I've seen it several times and I think it's great. And uh, she was also in a film called uh, Jezebel that I've heard wonderful mm-hmm. things about. I'm so and, glad we had you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very helpful. Everyone always says that. So, so <laughs> yeah, it, you're going to make a really great replacement. I got to say, um, number eight, this, and this surprises me as well. So many, so many, so many a actresses on this surprises. list. Surprise yes. Pleasantly. I would say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, Ellen Burstyn. Oh, so good is, and I guess I have seen more stuff of hers than I thought I had when I was looking through her filmography. But uh, I know her primarily from The Exorcist, I would say. Oh, interesting. Really? See, that's interesting. I feel like I, her, her 70s stuff like, like that, um, and um, which she's in like The Last Picture Show. Yes, she right? is. But I, well, she had like a career resurgence starting with Requiem for a Dream. Right. And I think I am more... Uh, I, I just have more in my I'm more in mind of her year 2000 on her 21st century work than the 70s hmm. stuff. Yeah, I mean that's when she that's when she won her Oscar for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, um, which I actually haven't seen. I've heard it's marvelous, and it's and that's a Scorsese film, correct? Mm-hmm. And it's that's interesting. Like she's she's really good, and it's very timely film. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. Do you think because it's timely? Do you think that's why it's not? Despite it being a Scorsese film, it's not a movie that anybody ever talks about when they talk about Scorsese. So do you think because it's timely, that's one of the reasons people that I just don't hear about it very much? Um, I think that it, like, obviously it is of a certain time, but I think that it also lacks sort of the more punchy things that Scorsese is mm-hmm. known for. It's, it lacks the excitement of like, you know, a gangs of New York, if you will. <laughs> uh, An age of innocence. Sure. You know. You know. The big ones. Uh, right. You know, I think that he's, it's easier to recall films that he's made that are more yeah. expansive. And I think that that's a film more about interior life. So, well, and I would love to see it simply because it, a, a, a woman is the, is the lead character. And I hesitate that that may be why, but he does so well at like, uh, bringing forth 
male characters. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, identifies so strongly with the masculine. And I think mm-hmm. that's so apparent in his work that I think yeah. that maybe it's easier for people that align really strongly with him and with his work to kind of overlook films that are yeah. maybe about women. Which, uh, and that's, you know, and that's something that I feel like uh, I would be very interested in looking further into or into at all. Because how this guy who is very interested in masculinity could approach a movie like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which is a, about a, a woman whose marriage is uh, falling apart or has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a woman who's striving for independence, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love her in The Exorcist, um, where she just, it's such a, it's so fascinating. I guess that's the beauty of the movie, is that there's all this crazy stuff happening but in a very innocuous place, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just the suburbs and I guess not really the suburbs, but in a, in a very domestic environment and that she's uh, that she's this actress and there's she's not in the midst. She's not like an old time horror character. She is very modern and there's all this stuff happening and she's just trying to figure it out the way we all would. And and she's trying to hold it together. That's the other thing. She's trying to hold it together in the midst of terrifying things happening and eventually she doesn't that's the same description i would use for requiem for requiem for a dream <laughs> sure. so yeah. same thing trying to hold it together and then she doesn't which yeah incredible performance in that film as well yeah david and i are, are not like i think you and i both have sort of knee-jerk reactions to requiem for a dream because so many I'm people not a big love fan it. of the movie but i think yeah. she's great yeah she um, is marvelous in it and she continues to be a uh vital actress uh uh, I don't know if either of you saw Wiener Dog from this year, but mm-hmm. she's great in that. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, she had a recurring role on Louie. Um, and she was Oh, she was very that. good in that. Yeah. Yes. Um, playing a, I want to say a Ukrainian Roma- woman, right? Oh, Romanian? I don't know. Maybe it was Romanian. Uh, Eastern yeah. Bloc. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she also has a, a, a nice scene in uh, Interstellar where... Uh, mm. She does. Yeah. It's... That's right. Yeah. Considering, I don't think that movie's remarkably well written. I forgot but. it existed. So <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, I, it comes back to mind. <laughs> and she, and she does, and that scene is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And and it's it almost like the, like you mentioned with Sigourney Weaver. It's for a movie nerd. It's just like, oh, Ellen Burstyn's playing the older. Uh, what a treat! Interesting, <laughs> interesting. But she actually does something with it, which is right. nice. Um, okay, so let's move on to someone who is absolutely on my list. Okay, and that's the great Jenna Rollins. Mm. Yes, yeah, she was on mine as well. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I guess mostly, uh, mostly associate her with her... Cassavetes. Um, with her, yeah, yeah uh, with, with a woman of the influence in Opening Night and Faces. Love yeah. Streams. Love Streams. I've never seen Gloria. Gloria. I've never Gloria. seen Gloria. Husbands? Question um, oh, Husbands, yeah, I saw Husbands. Yeah. I like it. That's a good movie. Um, Minnie and Moskowitz, which I actually never saw. Um, but yeah, I, I think A Woman Under the Influence... Uh, when I was uh, over at More Than One Lesson a couple of years ago, I made a list of my favorite uh, performances, like my favorite lead male performances, lead female performances, and I believe uh, her performance in A Woman Under the Influence was number one. Um, what about her performance in The Notebook? She is very good in The Notebook. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I like that movie more than, not even more than I should. I like that movie no, more than one would expect. Hot yes. takes. <laughs> They're the hottest. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I do like this little theme song you have for hot takes. I make a theme song for everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm don't apologize at all. I like it. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's yeah, she's fantastic, but it, uh, a woman under the influence is always, uh, I think going to be the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? 
the masthead on her career. Is that right? Left, <laughs> Lieutenant <laughs> Rollins from the masthead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think that will be her her most essential performance. But she is like when I think of her, that I think of that first, and then I think of Faces. I really like her mm-hmm. in Faces, uh, um, and I love Opening Night. Oh. <sighs> Interesting. She's great in opening night. I don't like the movie that much, but really? I think she's very good in it. Um, but yeah, uh, she. Well, you know, I like movies about uh, drunks. Yeah, I, mean, I seriously like that. that all, it's not like all, being, I'm joking, but when we talked about like our pet themes, like I do tend to have a thing for movies about drunks. We all like to see ourselves on screen, so <laughs> sure. it makes sense. <laughs> Representation is important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, drunk, <laughs> drunk theater people. That's you all over. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm the one that wrote the blurb uh, about uh, Jenna Rollins uh, at BattleshipPretension.com, and uh, one of the things that I mentioned is that I feel like she is, and I think you could probably say this about most of the actresses on this list, but I would say she's a remarkably, notably unselfconscious actress. Like she's going to do whatever she needs to do. Uh, as evidenced probably most by a woman under the influence where I think she acknowledges like this character is going to be bothersome to the audience sometimes. <laughs> well, her stories of working with Cassavetes are just incredible. The things yeah. he would do to like ev- evoke these performances out of her is yeah. very outside the box. And I think I genuinely think that he made her a better actress and she made him a better filmmaker. I think they At just what cost, but yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of drunks, uh, he did drink himself to death. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it does make sense that she, that her best performances are in his films. Cause he sure. did seem to just get something out of her that he knows her the best. Yeah. I mean, who would know you better than that? You know? Yeah. And I do need to see Gloria cause I, I was looking it up, uh, when I was, uh, going to write this blurb and I realized like, Oh, the nature of that character and that story sounds very, very interesting to me mm-hmm. in which she's playing a very strong, uh, a character who's trying to be very strong. Um, Quick aside before the next transition, have you has either of you seen Don't Think Twice yet, the new Mike Birbiglia no. movie? Yes. Um, well, uh, the Gillian or Jillian, I don't know how you say her name. From uh, Everyone says it differently from yeah. what I can tell out in the world. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Dealer's Brita Choice. Brita Community does a general Owens in one of the influence impression. Really? She's, is, cause she's, she's an, insistent on it. <laughs> yeah. And one of her characters is general Owens from one of the influence as an umpire. And it's, <laughs> and it's very funny. And she's advised that it might be a bit too obscure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be a, that might be a ticket seller for me. That movie <laughs> d- was not that interesting, but it's uh, pretty accurate. So I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's a good impression. <laughs> mm. That's Let's exciting move on. to me. Yes. Number six, the great Julianne Moore. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a fan. Yeah, I am as well. Moving on. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, this is what we were saying about Kate Winslet being surprised that that was that she was as low. Julianne Moore ranks, given our listeners and where we are right now, like it's you know the the year it is and where she is in her career. I'm not surprised that she ranked this high. I was at first, and then I thought, no, this is. Well, Philip Seymour Hoffman ranked very high on our actors list. I believe he was number two. And I would say that for people of our generation, I feel like she might be kind of the female Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. She's in everything. Yeah, she's that's true. Completely great. Every time she does anything, she's in all different types of movies too, which I think Philip Seymour Hoffman definitely was like, 
low budget, strange indies to big blockbusters. Yeah. And yeah, she can play a, a woman who's about to uh, succumb to dementia or c- she can be chased by dinosaurs. Yeah, she does it all. Um, and I feel like she's often uh, in, in, and both of them were in, you know, big Lebowski and both of them were in Magnolia and Boogie Nights. She's but in shortcuts. Also. She is. A lot of her is in shortcuts. All of uh, her. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Um, I, it feels a little exploitative, actually. Uh, that, I'll that come moment. Now. I know, I know. <laughs> Altman, exploitative, yeah, yeah. please. Um, be like, I wrote, a, I wrote a paper about uh, the misogyny in Altman films, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned shortcuts as far as just his rela- That's just all purpose uh, misanthropic, that film, but it does seem it's, it's not just like. entirely his, though, so you can't. It's like Chandler and all that. Sure, so sure. you can't like, blame him completely, but, you know. I could see him being like, I don't find this character interesting. Do you mind taking off uh, your uh, pants? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Altman, but uh, yeah, he's not perfect. Um, but yeah, uh, I think she's, uh, I think she does do some really good work with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Um, she, it, there is a really wonderful element to her character in Boogie Nights where there, she's obviously very motherly but also sisterly at the same time. She's a mother that has sex with her kids. That's mm-hmm. a weird thing. Uh, <laughs> but it still, it still works. Uh, and I still feel for it's her. Weird. The, the sister thing is weird too. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, if I had to, <laughs> I'd probably go sister. Um, <laughs> um, she's really great in recent films too. Like the kids are all right. Kids are all yeah. right. I yeah. love really that movie. great performance. You know, Tyler's hot take. Does not like that movie. I don't think it's very good, but I think the actor. I think the acting is very good all around. I think a, lot, a lot of good actoring. A lot. That's, that's, <laughs> man, that's some, actoring. Man, that's Pretty some good acting over there. If I do say, <laughs> not some good uh, scriptering. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, and I think it's good unfortunate. Mark the <laughs> I, we're doing things. It is a bummer that she didn't get singled out enough in that movie. Like everybody focused on Annette Benning, and she's great. I mean, she's great at ensemble though. Like that's yeah. one of her secret weapons is I think that she elevates ensembles like nobody yeah. else, like adds legitimacy, mm. adds flair. Like what Maisie knew. No one gives a crap about that movie, but she was great in it. I did not see that one. No one saw it. She <laughs> yeah. was so good. Do you think she elevated the work of Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas and Richard Donner's assassins? Yes. Which is I a, have not seen that. It's a delightfully terrible movie. Mm. She plays a hacker. Oh, boy. <laughs> what year did that come out? 95. I'm going to say, yeah. yeah. Mm. A hacker, you say? Yeah. In 95. <laughs> now, uh, this time, this in 2016, she played a growth hacker instead, I bet. That's very inside baseball. Never mind. Okay. Did you see Vanya on 42nd Street? I don't think so, no. It is a wonderful film that is sort of a concert film slash documentary slash actual adaptation of so Uncle Vanya. Three of my least favorite genres oh, all wrapped up into one thing. Wait, no, oh, let's run them down again. Hold on. What are the three? Sort of a concert film. Okay. Documentary. Okay. And uh, 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 adaptation of uh, Uncle Vanya. It's a very specific dislike, but I have it. Why don't you like concert films? Because I might, I might be with you. Um, I don't like musicals I, uh, other than old ones. I don't like Once, I think, is probably one of the most egregious forms of it. I don't like most things Broadway-related. Uh, like I like the last five years, but I love any... I don't know. Divorce musical appeals to me, but... Huh, I didn't oh see boy. that. I liked Once, though. Are you... Excited for La La Land. I mean, everyone is losing their minds over it. Um, I've heard hot takes from a lot of Uh female critics at TIFF that uh, 
it's, Toronto International Film Festival. Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> film Twitter is addling my brains. Um, yeah, the people I'm, who voted for Maria Falconetti are going to get lost when you drop yeah, tips. True. Uh, yes, one of the more obscure film festivals out there, like in Venice and Sundance. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'll obviously see it. I love everything that, you know. Ryan Gosling does. Sorry, uh-huh. there was no end to that sentence because I was just thinking about Ryan Gosling, but yes. It happens to the best of us. Right. Uh, yeah, when um, when I say concert film, there's no actual music involved. Oh, I just mean God. that like, it's it's of a stage performance. Well, it's a, that sounds like music, doesn't it? I know, but it's it's uh, Uncle Vanya. It's, it's, it's a very hard film to pin down, and I think everybody should see it. Well, I but will she see is, it then, if she you're is that. part of the ensemble, yeah. and she is marvelous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I actually did not see Still Alice, which she won her Oscar for. I it's did great. not either because my grandmother had recently died of Alzheimer's and yeah. I did not feel like sobbing myself sure. to sleep. So I don't sure. blame you. But um, I would like to see it soon because that, that is a very important topic to me. And yeah. obviously she did win the Oscar for it. So, um, But yeah, and I'm trying to think like some of the other things that uh, she is. I, you know what? As people talk about the Big Lebowski, they don't talk about her enough. No. She is a delight in that, you know, he's a good man mm-hmm. and thorough. Just so, <laughs> like, the way she can, like, assault you with the word thorough is, uh, is delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, she yeah, also she's... does an amazing uh, Boston accent in 30 Rock. <laughs> I know we keep right. bringing it back to that's TV, right. but I, like I didn't know how funny she was until, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, that she really just is so funny in that role. Yeah. I, she just, um, speaking of TV, she just like a week or two ago showed up on difficult people, the Hulu show. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, played, uh, an executive at Josh Gad's production company, Gadzooks. Oh my <laughs> Lord. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and there's a, a terrific visual gag in, she's like an executive, a terrific visual gag that goes completely uncommented on where both of her assistants are also redheaded women. <laughs> Uh, it's a, Difficult People is such a great show. Do you watch Difficult People? I do. I've not seen a single episode, but you know what? I think I'm. I think you're winning me over. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Good. All right, uh, number five. We're in the top five now. Yeah. Number five. Not surprised. Not at all. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Um, I'm having the opposite problem of Betty Davis here. Betty Davis, I was going through, and I was like, oh, I've only seen a couple of these things. Yeah. I'm going through Kate Blanchett's filmography, and we could do three hours on. Yeah how amazing she is in every single movie she's in. Yeah. I mean, da- Carol is the most obvious. Carol. Yes. That's great. Um, recent coffee and cigarettes. Dual oh, role. Yeah. There. yeah. Um, yeah. I was just looking at, Oh yeah. She's in hot fuzz. Everyone, no one knows she's in <laughs> hot right. fuzz because she's oh, completely yeah. covered up. Uh, but she's in one scene in hot fuzz. Um, but uh, what was one I was going to say the aviator, which is Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. She's very good in that. Terrific. She, Elizabeth. Yeah, I think yeah. I first saw her in Elizabeth. I think, in Elizabeth. I think that was kind of her introduction to. And I remember being astonished. And this is back. I didn't care much about the Oscars, uh, but that was when I started to be more interested in movies in general. And I saw Elizabeth in the theater, and I remember thinking, like, this is really good, and she's really good. And when mm-hmm. I saw that she. Gwyneth Paltrow is perfectly fine in Shakespeare in Love, don't get me wrong. She's very effective. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, like, well, obviously, it should go to this Kate Blanchett woman, right? Obviously, because I think she is marvelous in Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. To talk about uh, range, yeah, she's terrific in Elizabeth, and she's obviously she's Queen fucking Elizabeth in that yeah. movie. Um, and then the next year, she's in the talented Mr. Ripley, where she's oh, Meredith, who's yes. like a very sympathetic, but kind of in some ways, kind of a pathetic 
Yeah. Sarah it's a thankless role. Yes. Uh, but she's terrific. Um, yeah. But like she is so meek in, in that role. It's a back-to-back to play those two. Um, sometimes I've, I've made this comment before. Sometimes it takes me as someone who doesn't think very deeply about acting to my uh, uh, discredit. Um, it takes me two performances to realize someone's good. You know what I mean? Like I you need have to see to like see a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have, but I have to see them do two things very different before it occurs to me like, Oh, right. They're, She's so, they're they're so great. good in blue Jasmine too. Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable. And, uh, so I want to, I want to go back here and, and make sure I've got this, uh, I've got this right. Um, yeah. So she was in, um, you mentioned, oh yeah, okay, so she was in Elizabeth, then she was in Talented Mr. Ripley, and then I think uh, two years later she was in Bandits. I never saw that. I never saw that. I thought you and I watched it together. No, it's the Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton yeah. movie. And she's playing a character that's not quite as tragic as her character in Blue Jasmine, but every bit is like neurotic and, and okay. she's kind of disappears. Is that a, a Barry Levinson that. film? I believe so. Okay. Um, and then she, but that's the thing. When you see her in Lord of the Rings... It feels like, well, obviously, that's just what the part she should play all the time, right? There's just such majesty to it <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's weird when she turns around and turns in such a wonderful performance in Blue Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And just so sad. I know. And yet funny oh. and yet annoying. And so neurotic and so yeah. wonderful. Like, oh, so many different sides to her. Um, she can even be great in movies that I think are dreadful, like I'm Not There. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. She's so good in that. Yeah, she's fantastic. I um, would not waste another... 10 minutes of my life watching that movie, though. We were talking about Soderbergh earlier. Mm -hmm. She was in The Good German, essentially being Marlena Dietrich. One for them. Yeah. (laughs) As he would say. (laughs) You think so? Oh, please. That seemed very... The way way he shot it seemed very one for for him. One for nobody. (laughs) I think we can all agree. (laughs) Yeah. But she is wonderful in it. And she's, she's, you know, very obviously uh, doing a a Marlena Dietrich character. Mm -hmm. But she's also not merely doing an impression. She's also trying to imbue the character with something. And then I will go back to uh note on a scandal, um, that, uh, she was in with, uh, Judy Dench. And once again, like she's okay. So not, not merely because they're both named Kate, but she is like Kate Winslet in this regard that yes, she can seem very, she can seem like the queen of England. She can seem like this, uh, this elf queen in uh, Lord of the Rings, but then she can also seem just like a sad housewife who has an affair with a 15 year old kid and notes on a scandal who can just make terrible decisions and do things that I definitely condemn, uh, and can seem remarkably pathetic and small, uh, and do them equally effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, she has tremendous range. Yes. And just so luminous, uh, like you said, just so just your eye is just drawn yeah. to her in whatever role she's luminous in. Luminous is that brings word. me to like uh, it, Carol. Obviously, is great. Um, it was one of my favorite movies of last year. But if there's any yeah. downside to Carol, it's the fact that it overshadowed her other great 2015 performance in Cinderella. Yeah, damn right. Oh, well, that came out, huh? You don't oh, care for Cinderella? I, saw it. It was, I it, never. It was at the top. Is it, spot w- what bothered you? Was time. it the the magical spirit? Or I never what? saw it. Oh, okay. You got to see it. Oh, it's, it's well, so good. You know, I think you'd like it. Life is very short. Oh, well. and there is no time for fussing and fighting, my friend. <laughs> that is a weird pull, but I get it. <laughs> okay, it's from it's, National Lampoon's oh, Loaded Weapon. I wasn't going to say what it was from. I was going to leave that. Yes. 
I am referencing National Lampoon's Loaded yeah. Weapon 1. You, what's interesting is that that line is notable for not being a quote that you have now quoted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is, uh, David, I am proud of you. Oh, you know well, what? You're back on the show. Okay, thank oh, you. Oh, it Sorry. was good while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So here, with these next three, and I'm not saying we should say them all together, with these next three... These are actresses from like the golden age of film, uh, whose heyday was, you know, the forties and fifties. Um, and it's just fascinating to me. Uh, and I'm trying to think why, you know, admittedly with, with the, with the, uh, the top five actors, you had like Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant and Marlon Brando, but you also had a very, you had Daniel Day Lewis and Philip Seymour Hoffman. So like very modern actors. That's a great representation. I, th- uh, yeah, I guess so. It's it's weird. It wouldn't have occurred to me to put Daniel Day Lewis on there, but I I guess he is synonymous with like very specifically great acting. Yeah. Um, I guess that's his thing, if I you guess, will. Yeah, I guess if if his you're an actor, performances every single yeah. time. But yeah, you know, I guess if you're an actor, you want to be a good one. Um, it's this thing we're doing. But uh, but yeah, I do. Uh, for some reason, it, it maybe because the actresses just uh, these next few weren't necessarily on my radar. Like, number four, Barbara Stanwyck. I was very surprised to see this. Yeah. Considering, I don't know, yeah. There was, there was a short time, uh, it was only a couple of days, when she occupied number one. Number one. Yeah. Now, admittedly, like, these top four, it was, oh, yeah, it just went up and down, up and down. But she was number one for about three days. I'm going to just show my utter non-knowing of her and what, give me some titles here. Double Double Indemnity is all I I have. That's the big one. And well, she was also in, um, uh, an early Frank Capra film called the bitter tea of general Yen, which is a really good movie. And and she's good in, in that, uh, as well. But yeah, I think this might be a case of her character and double indemnity being so definitive. Um, that that's so strange to me because I would pit, you know, Vivian Lee's performance in gone with the wind as like, um, I don't know. Or like anyone from, like maybe that era, just so out of like Marilyn Monroe, or I don't, it just seems so strange to me. But I think it's it's more specific than that. Where in Double Indemnity, she's the maybe in a lot of people's eyes the quintessential femme fatale. I I would bring up some other uh, examples, but like it's as far as the great noir films. Yeah. She, okay. And I'm, I can I'm buy drawing. That. I'm drawing. I'm drawing. <laughs> drawing a blank on what her character's name even is. Phyllis Dietrichson. Uh, Phyllis Dietrichson. Yeah. That's why I'm drawing a blank on it. It's no, it's no Bridget O'Shaughnessy as far as right fem, femme fatale names go. Um, but if that's but if that's what you're thinking of, if you're thinking like, how do you not arrive at Lauren Bacall? Not yes. that she's a femme fatale, but she is in movies she's like that, and she's for that era. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but just like you said, not that she's a femme fatale. Like yeah. femme fatale is, you know, film nerds love film noir. Yes, femme fatale is the most uh, visible female type in that um, very highly regarded uh, genre. So I guess I'm, I'm I'm talking myself into it making sense that the quintessential femme fatale makes the list. I'm just hoping there's someone shouting at their radio right now or shouting at like, no, no, you're missing this movie. Like there's gotta be some move performance that we're missing or there's gotta um, be some. The lady Eve is one that a lot of people talk about and Mm -hmm. me, John Doe. Uh, but I haven't seen either one of them. I think Double Indemnity is the only film of hers I have seen. I have seen Meet John Doe, but I was very young. I don't okay. remember it. Uh, I will say, so here's, I guess I'll talk about Double Indemnity. Um, <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, you know, 
the the top the, the the top three actors in that film are all wonderful. Uh, I'm a big fan of Edward G. Robinson in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred McMurray is a lot of fun. The Happiest Millionaire. <laughs> what what is that from? Oh, he's he plays. Oh, it's a Disney movie that he's in. The happy. It's called The Happiest Millionaire. Yeah. Wow. Nineteen sixty three. I got nothing. Oh, I know that he was right. the absent minded professor. That's all I got. Right. This is a very sorry. That's way too obscure to even live. Oh, Go ahead. Boy. Um, <laughs> I love live action Disney movies from a certain era. Snowball so. Express. Oh, no, I failed you yet again. (laughs) All right, well, David, you're not going anywhere. Don't you worry. Um, There's a moment in, maybe the reason that, as a femme fatale, maybe the reason that Phyllis Dietrichson uh, rises to the top is because she doesn't come, like, strolling into somebody's office. She is very much, like, this spider woman who just pulls him in and she is controlling everything from the word go. It's not that she has like, uh, she, she has a, you know, bad intentions. It's that she is planning everything and manipulating everyone. And there's this wonderful moment. It, to me, it's like the, it is the, the essential moment of her character. It's at the end of the film where she and, uh, and, why? Oh my gosh! I can't remember Fred McMurray's name. I don't remember either. Oh, that I bothers never me so much. Walter Neff. Walter Neff. Uh, um, there's yeah. a moment when she and Walter are talking, and uh, it's at the it's towards the end of the movie, and she's had it. She doesn't want Walter Neff around anymore, and she's got a cigarette in her hand, and she just disposes of it. She just like throws it, and she throws it with like she has such a disgusted look on her face, and she throws it so definitively away that you know like she's going to murder this man. There's no question about it. She's, she's done with him being alive. And in that moment, like that is like the ultimate femme fatale move. Never mind the terrible wig that she's wearing. Uh, she is really scary in that moment and so strong. Like she was nominated for an Oscar for that. And that's such a rare thing. First off, that, there, that a femme fatale would be considered a co-lead, but also that she would be so strong that easily as strong, if not stronger than Fred McMurray in mm-hmm. the, in the film. So it's, and I feel bad that this is the only performance of hers that I can talk about. So listeners, I do apologize. We if got our homework cut yeah. off for us. Yeah. If you submitted her, uh, feel free in the comments, uh, to talk about, uh, some of your favorite performances of hers. Um, we will now move on and we'll move on to somebody that, uh, let me make sure I've got this right. Yeah. Somebody that, I assumed was going to be number one, somebody that was number one by a wide margin for a long time. And that is Catherine Hepburn sitting comfortably at number three. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great rank. That's a very respectable place for her to be. It is. And yet somehow I assumed as a number of our listeners did assume that she would be number one. And she was, again, she was a number one for a very long time. And then in the last week, what is currently number two and uh, number two and one, uh, just shot up and it was it really surprised me um and i wonder if maybe it's just i don't think anybody's voting against katherine hepburn i think everybody acknowledges she's kind of amazing but i think uh i think people would say like yeah i think we all know what to expect for expect from katherine hepburn she's delightful she's classy she's not that remarkably different from one film to another but at the same time who cares she's still she's That's like Carrie grant in that way yeah um I think she is very much like Kerrigan. That's a good yeah. comparison. Um, not just because they're both in the Philadelphia story, but um, I mean, I think Catherine Hepburn is 
thought of as one of the grand dames of the history of American mm-hmm. acting, but is um, also, uh, I would say maybe even first and foremost, was a comedic actress. Yeah. Um, I Very mean, I, funny. Yeah, I, I, I think of the two movies that leap to mind for uh, for me are Bringing Up Baby and The Philadelphia Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Summertime, which is about 15 years after yeah. that, but um, is uh, maybe even longer, but um, is also a... Uh, a comedy uh, of sorts, right? Of sorts. Um, it's a more... There's a melancholy to it. it. Yeah, it's a yeah, more slice of life type of movie, I guess, yeah. maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm, what I'm saying. The comparison with Cary Grant is that he... Um, he never seemed to take himself too seriously on screen. He was always... There's yeah. always a buoyance, buoyancy uh, to him uh, as well. Yeah. I think, as she, I, I think as she got older, she came to be seen as more respectable. But when she was so younger, she was like Zane Winter is, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, not having been around at the time, I don't know where the turning point is. In my mind, the line of, line of Winter represents a sort of turning point from like the comedic actress to the more serious actress. But I don't know if there was stuff before that that I'm just not aware of. Or what. I'm sure there was, I'm sure it was, it was over the course of, of the, the fifties and, and early sixties and stuff. But, uh, well, I guess, guess who's coming to get Guess who's coming to dinner is before Lion in Winter. Yeah. But that's still seen as comedic in yeah. some ways. Um, it's not very good, that movie. Guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah. It's, a, it's like it's a movie, one of those movies that's like important, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's made up of a lot of really good performances. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, but then I, I forget, like, yeah, she was around for a long time. I, I forget that she was, you know, she acted in movies in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, very long career. Yeah. yeah, and just and she was in uh, uh, on Golden Pond. I yeah, remember liking her on movie. Golden Pond. I, I rewatched that a couple years ago um, on Blu-ray. That's a really good movie. Um, uh, Amanda, your thoughts on Catherine Hepburn, the African Queen? Sorry. That's oh yeah, that's right. right. Oh, I love the African so Queen. Great. That is a great movie. Um, yeah, she's one of those people that's been in so many movies that everyone has seen. I think that mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I even forget about her a little bit. I know that she is such. Uh, sort of an iconic wit, very mm-hmm. sarcastic, very filled personality, and that's something that she brings to all of her roles. Um, I think that she has a very nice, tough shell with a very fragile interior that mm-hmm. uh, she manages to play both sides of that very well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. It's not quite range, but I don't think it's necessary, and I think especially uh, actresses during her time, like the time that she was most active in, you know, African queen before that. Um, I think that you wanted to see a little bit like kind of what you're talking about with Cary Grant. Like you wanted to see sort of the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You wanted to know what to expect from someone. And I think that she does that without becoming tiresome in any way. Yeah. And I think her on-screen persona, not I mean, that's probably just who she is in general, but like it's surprisingly malleable. She can be like in screwball comedies and then go play, you know, the Queen of England. Uh, a lot of these people played queens, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> thing that I'm repeating over and over, um, you know, and and not really do anything that different. And I think it's because I think she can bring a fair amount of weight to a screwball comedy and a fair amount of comedy to the Queen of England. You know, she's very, and I think, I think one of the reasons that that might be is because she exudes intelligence. Mm-hmm all the time, even when she's being kind of like in bringing up baby, she just kind of messes things up a lot of the time, really makes uh, Carrie Grant's life, uh, a living hell for a moment. Um, but, uh, 
but I think even in those moments, it's almost like it's almost like she's ahead of everybody else in the world, and she's just kind of bored, and so she'll just mess with things and make things worse. But I think she's just uh, she's always, I think, at least the intellectual equal of whoever she's on screen with. Yeah, she's nobody's fool, and yeah. I think that she would only play roles of intelligence. Yeah. Is she the only person on this list to have been portrayed by someone else on this list? I had that exact thought, <laughs> and uh, I think it's possible. Unless, um, unless you count people who have played themselves, in which sure that opens up a whole bunch. Um, but yeah, Kate Blanchett and the Aviator. Yeah. That's All right, very number two. Number two. This surprised me. I didn't think this actress was going to be anywhere near this list. Not because she's bad, but because she just does not occur to me. And that's Ingrid Bergman. Oh. Ingrid Bergman. She's so great. <laughs> but she is... That's a Wilco song, sorry. Okay. Um, That's an actual one. <laughs> she is the female lead in what is largely considered the second or third best movie of all time, Casablanca. Yeah. Like, this is going back to what I keep going back to, that it doesn't necessarily take our listeners being familiar with a huge body of work. Not that yeah. Ingrid Bergman didn't have a huge body of work. Yeah. Um, and not that our, plenty of our listeners aren't aren't familiar with it i don't think that's necessarily what got her on the list i think um like barbara stamick and double identity indemnity she's uh fantastic and highly associated with fantastic in highly associated with one of the greatest movies of all time Mm -hmm. and i will say this that i did recently for my hitchcock class i did recently rewatch notorious Mm -hmm. and that is a movie that that film nerds do like, uh, if not love, as they should. It's a marvelous film. And she is marvelous in it. Um, yes, I think maybe my favorite character and my favorite performance in it is Claude Rains. Uh, but she is this uh, a very a very unusual character for almost any movie where she is self-destructive. Um, she seems to come from a place of deep shame because her father was a Nazi. And she is not. And so I think she tries to move away from that. And I think she, by her own admission, makes a lot of bad choices uh, and then decides to get involved in this spy thing sort of a way as a way of, of, I don't know, redeeming herself, even though she's done absolutely nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, but I think she's also an incredibly lonely character and wants to be involved with you know, I think she does love Cary Grant, but I think she also finds herself with a certain degree of fondness for Claude Rains because I think she just, and one could say that there's probably some father issues there, uh, but she plays all of these notes and there's a real sadness there, but also she's a very feisty character and again, a very smart character. And I don't know what one of the more complex characters from that era that I've ever seen. Cer- and certainly in Hitchcock movies where the women are uh, are interesting mm. <laughs> and and are and are very and can and can be very complex but usually not to this degree. It's so blonde. And so yeah, that's I guess she's not a blonde in the film either. So The one of the few. <laughs> um but yeah, so and then um I have a so she one of the, one of the movies that she won an Oscar for was in 1974, I think, I knew for some, yeah. the murder for Murder on the Orient Express mm-hmm. for supporting actress, and she's a delight in that. In which she almost she almost seems to recognize that. So I've got this German accent. I'm just going to play that for comedy, right? <laughs> and, she, and she does, and it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are those might be the only the, the big three that I'm familiar with. 
Um, I definitely know her best for this smaller film called The End of the Sixth Happiness. Oh, yeah. um, I haven't seen that, but I... It, I've seen it many times. It was one of the DVD. random v- v- VHSs we had as a child. And uh, she plays a missionary who goes to China and ends up saving an entire village of children during the war. And uh, she is, in all of her roles, I think has a certain goodness to her that is not all the surface of a lot of other performance, a lot of mm-hmm. other actors. She has a very wholesome, essential quality that is delightful to watch, I think, and very honest and comes across as very, um, not naive, but I think very authentic and um, gentle. A lot of, a lot of descriptions there, but I think that she just turns in such reliably wonderful performances and there's something very uh, emotive about her as well. And I guess we haven't actually talked about her in Casablanca. Um, (laughs) The the thing that I when I when I look at uh, Elsa in that film I do see as I was talking about with uh, uh, Juliette Binoche um, there's a real sadness to her yeah. character because she doesn't seem to she doesn't seem to really love the guy she's with but she seems to be making a certain sacrifice for the larger good which means that she's never going to be a hundred percent happy I admittedly nobody's hundred percent happy but there could always be a little bit of 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 heartbreak in her life because of she's had to make choices that are noble choices, but still in different circumstances, she would not have made them. And I feel like there's a a real tragic element to her character Mm -hmm. in the film. There's something else that she's called upon to do, which is completely, um, unfortunately, probably not uh, at all a foreign concept to actresses. Mm -hmm. Um, But in addition to being a character, she also has to be, a symbol. She has to represent something for right. Bogart's character. Yeah. Uh, and she fulfills that, that requirement while also being like you're saying yeah. a, a full character uh, on her own. Uh, it's, you know, like I said, it's unfortunate that so often that's um, what um, female leading or co-leading uh, roles call for uh, in Hollywood history. But uh, at least she did it, <laughs> did it really well. Yeah, and it's still it's still a well written character and a very specific character, and I think she ta- she latches onto whatever specificity is there and enhances it with with her performance. Um, all right, all number right, one. Go. I'm not going to say it till you stop. <laughs> Meryl Streep, yeah. which uh, I guess I assumed she was going to be number two or three with Catherine Hepburn at number one. Um, but I, I figured it was going to be one of those two. Um, yeah, Meryl Streep. What can you say? What's your favorite Meryl Streep performance? And That's impossible to David, say. That's... Same question. I have one. Okay. okay I don't want to go first though. So. Uh, I do love her in Ironweed. Hmm. Not seen that. Yeah. Not many people have. Uh, yeah, yeah, I read the book. Uh, yeah, that's right. You did. And, and when you talked about it, it sounded so much better than the movie, which it probably was. <laughs> um, yeah, the movie is is good. It's her and Jack Nicholson, and uh, and it's one of the movies that she was uh, Oscar nominated for. Not that that's that's not very specific, unfortunately, uh, or actually very fortunately. Um, yeah, she plays uh, uh, this this woman who is uh, homeless in the 1930s, and she is, uh, I think, a former singer, and she's an ap- she's absolutely a drunk. Um, but she is also trying to remain dignified, and uh, it's a it's a really 
heartbreaking performance and one that, yes, she's putting on a very specific type of voice and, but she, it's more about how she carries herself that, uh, that is very, very effective. Now, when you said iron weed, when you get iron out, do you think our listeners clutched their pearls and thought you were going to say the iron lady was your favorite Meryl Street performance? They might, although I, I don't That's... think I drew it out quite that much. I think my favorite performance of is hers is the... iron weed. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Though she is very good in The Iron Lady. It's not that saw. good of a movie, but she's very good in it. Um, here's what I'm going to say for favorite performance. I'm going to pick a movie that, hot take, I think is actually a little bit overrated. Okay. Uh, which is Adaptation. Yeah. Oh. I don't think that movie is all that great, but I think she's terrific in it. Um, because she's... Um, I mean, I, I guess... I, what I'm going to say is so basic. It's so almost like the basic definition of what acting is. I'm listening. But, <laughs> I don't mean basic like, you know, I wear cargo shorts and go on like cruises or whatever. We're heading um, in that direction. So keep going. <laughs> um, you know, a movie well, I like is the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> that, that's Number a pretty one basic of all time. Movie. Um, I, I do like that movie. Just fine. It's anyway, meant to be liked. Um, Okay, no, what I'm going to say is so much, it's like the definition of what acting is supposed to do, but she does it, she boils acting down to its essence, and the performance and adaptation is just such an empathetic one. I guess that's all that I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, that's what acting is supposed to do, is supposed to be about, is empathy. Um, But I couldn't be more unlike uh, Susan Orlean, uh, real or fictional version, Um, but I feel so swept up in her journey and what she goes through uh, in the movie when she gets high is like the best scene in the movie I think uh, honestly I think that's the best part of the movie um, it, yeah I, it's I don't know how this is just going to peter out <laughs> um, well I think my favorite performance of hers personally is Kramer versus Kramer Yeah, she plays somewhat of a villain you could say and yet does it in such a way where that empathy really does shine through and you can eventually come to see her under like her understanding of the situation and the ways in which she reacted to having to leaving her child and her husband and leaving him behind Dustin Hoffman amazing performance um but she is the person you think about throughout the film still and i have always loved that performance of hers uh, a recent performance I really loved was August Osage County mm-hmm. um, as the drunk, high, crazy matriarch of the family, hell bent on destroying what little happiness anyone has left. She, I would say that's amazing. another great performance in a not very good movie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, what's interesting about Kramer versus Kramer and adaptation is that she is she's not putting on a voice. Mm-hmm. She's not which were she to do so, she would do it wonderfully. Yes. Obvi- no question, but. Uh, but yeah, when she's when she's even without all the one could say ornamentation, she's still incredibly compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that said, I feel almost bad about what I'm about to say. Um, I love her as Julia Child uh, in oh in Julia and Julia. Um, again, movie not that great. I, she's often. I just wish that movie had been about her. Like it should have just been about Julia Child. Well, and that's the thing is. I have a certain empathy with Julie. Um, that just, wig. Oof. Right. Yeah. I wear wigs. Yeah. I wear um, wigs. So. But uh, <laughs> it's just kind of how I feel like I can express myself. Um, but yeah. She's a, you know, a, a blogger who's trying to make, 
use this thing to make sense of her life. And it's like, okay, I can, I can relate to that. But at the same time, yes, uh, Julia is so, you know, she takes magnetic, uh, like, yeah, oh, just incredible to watch. And there have been, you know, there are performances not uh, of other actors where they're putting on a, a voice or something like that. And it just, takes me out i just see like okay they're doing a voice and that's their whole performance but that's not her like she she starts from the inside and works her way out it's not for me and not unlike uh when philip Seymour hoffman played truman capote he started from the inside created a whole character and then said oh wait i guess he does talk like this and i feel like that's what she does with with julia child and i think it's what she does with uh, margaret thatcher in the iron lady again not that good of a movie but she is really great where do you i watched um in a, I watched a bunch of uh, in a hotel room just this past weekend. Uh, I watched a bunch of uh, the Devil Wears Prada. Mm. Where do you guys fall on that movie? I love it. It's I great. Have, it's I fun have not to watch. seen it. Oh, it's so fun. My wife loves it. It's really fun. I don't think I. I don't think I think it's a very good movie overall. But um, it's not going to win any awards. But it's fun to watch. Though it was nominated for one for oh, really? actress. Yeah. Um, for her. Yep. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah. She is great in it. I do think the movie though. Um. Anytime it leaves the office and goes to like Anne Hathaway's like home life and her friends, no, that's boring. Yeah, it's it's boring and it's like not very well written. No, it, but it also seems, and we're getting off topic here. But it seems like those things are like, well, we got to have her have some conflict with her. Like, why can't the conflict just be internal? In fact, yeah. it already is. There's already plenty of a good movie of Anne Hathaway's. No. And Anne Hathaway versus Anne Hathaway uh, conflict. The interior I, life of women is not interesting enough to people. Don't you know this? <laughs> well, it has it to revolve to around a man and losing a man. Don't yeah, because every time Adrian Grenier is like whining about her having to do her job or like Boy, she doesn't want to eat the expensive grilled cheese that he made. It's like, let's get back to the office. Let's just have. Speaking of getting back to the office, we would be remiss not to mention Out of Africa, one of the finest films and one of her very. Do not start with me. One of her very finest performances. Tyler gave a look. You get Robert Redford out of there, and I, I'm on board with you. Do not get him out of anywhere. He can he can stay. Mm. Oh dear. Let us not dismiss one of, another great actor with a hmm. In the right role, he's a wonderful actor. As I do someone not who's think... emotionally distant and always like she's always chasing him and he's never there. Like he's perfect. He's gone the whole movie. Like, it's beautiful. I do not. Uh, I do not buy him in that movie. Oh dear. Well, I've read. I like all him in the, the Sting. I like him in. Oh okay. Isaac Dennison wrote and like all the books about that era. I really love that like era of. This sounds terrible, but like colonialized kind of Africa and the people that were settling there and the people that were explorers there. And I find that whole thing very fascinating, but I do like that movie. And oh, she is she's, of course wonderful. Like in it. as she's sort of this pioneer who again is stuck in this unhappy marriage and trying to like find something, you know, a ha- bit of happiness out of it and trying to make her way. And again, incredible accent really disappears into yeah. the Danish. Yeah. And it's a very, such a specific, kind of accent that's what she does best though is specificity like she she hangs her hat on that you know so here's what i'm gonna do okay because of who she is i'm gonna start i'm not gonna go literally one by one but i'm just gonna start at florence foster jenkins which i thought she was great in okay um I do think it's Hugh Grant's movie, but I think she's great in it. Um, and I'm going to work my way backwards. Hugh Grant's world. We're just living in it. Yeah, <laughs> that right. might actually be true. Um, Notting Hill. Come on. Uh, I didn't see Ricky in the Flash, Cloud but it sounded Atlas. great. 
Oh yeah, he is in Cloud Atlas. That's right. A bunch, a bunch of him. In Cloud Atlas. I didn't sure. see Ricky in the Flash. It looked good to me. It I bet she's good. very good. Yep. Um, she's briefly in the Homesman, mm-hmm. and if she is, okay. uh, she is wonderful in that scene. Um, I am not a fan of Into the Woods, but I think, and I, I don't think she necessarily should have been nominated. But she, she creates a really, she crafts a really good character. Um, I did not see August Osage County. I didn't see Hope Springs. Hope Springs is great. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it might be. Um, did you see, see Hope Springs? I saw Hope Floats. <laughs> it's basically the same. Bad joke. Um, Not even a joke. She does a wonderful voice in uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I don't like It's Complicated, but, and, and I, I feel like that's not her fault, though. That's not her fault. And yeah. there, there comes a wonderful moment when... And I think like I think it's the best moment of the film, and I wish the rest of the film had been had lived up to this moment when she's talking to her ex-husband and talking about like, you know, when you cheated on me, it allowed me to fe- it allowed me to ignore anything that I might have been doing wrong. Like that's the ultimate sin, and it and it makes everything that I'm doing fine. And that r- moment of realization, she really sells it and it's like that's operating at a level of maturity on a writing standpoint that the rest of the film does not uh does not do um julia and julia uh i didn't see mama mia is she good at mama mia i don't watch musicals so i don't know she is marvelous in doubt i love i don't necessarily love that movie it's a good movie Mm -hmm. but she is again doing a very a very specific type of uh of accent and playing a uh, sort of she is kind of a character actress i would say Mm -hmm. But at the same time, her her part in Kramer versus Kramer is not a character role, nor an adaptation. So I don't know. It's a she's she's such a fascinating, complicated actress. It's almost like she's number one. You know, mm-hmm. one could say that. In fact, a number of people could say that. <laughs> are we are we going to zoom through the rest of these? Because uh, this is going this will take us all day. This yeah, this is true. an episode. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know why you started on this path. I like her in, I, you and I. You and I. Do not like Lions for Lambs. No, but she's good. But she's great in it. A Prairie like Home Companion. Prairie, yeah. She's fantastic. Devil Wears Prada we talked about. She's great in Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate remake, yeah. Yeah. A movie that is actually pretty good. It is actually, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and then I'm trying to think if there's any others that jump out at me. Um, well, we mentioned Adaptation already. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, she's oh. she's a lot of fun in Death Becomes Her. The Bridges of Madison County, uh, oh, wow. which I never saw, but I, I heard she was very good in that. I like that movie a lot. Um, yeah, it's and if you just keep going back further and further, like she just turns in one this movie, Ironweed. I've heard good things about that one. And here's the so thing: cool. oddly enough, oh, the French Lieutenant's Woman—that's a good movie. Is that with Jeremy Irons? Yeah, I have actually not seen it. I don't know if you know the premise of the movie, but she plays. And she and Jeremy Irons play an actor and actress who are making a movie called The French Lieutenant's Woman, but then it's also the movie. Oh, so it's, I didn't know it was that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it was a really cool movie. Now, none of us has mentioned Sophie's Choice. I've not seen it. I've not seen it either. I've never seen it. You know what? That, I had to choose at one point between Sophie's no. Choice and Kramer versus Kramer, and I watched Kramer versus Kramer instead. Oh, boy. Um... But yeah, it's it's weird that that is for a long time, and that's that was the film that she had won lead actress for, and for a long time that was the only one she was known for. Yeah, yeah, and it's odd that, uh, and I've seen clips from it. Yeah, definitely again, heard a lot about her performance. Yeah, in it. again, she's doing a very specific uh, uh, accent, mm-hmm. and also again, just 
I was watching uh, some old Siskel and Ebert episodes where they are talking about her performance in that film and just talking about like the 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 shame that she displays because of course what she has to do she mm-hmm. has to make a choice, David, and it's uh, not a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that uh, it's crazy that her. In many ways, for a lot of people, her defining performance is one that none of us have seen, and yet we can still talk <laughs> for like 20 minutes yep. about how marvelous an actress she is. Do well, we want to briefly mention any notable people that did not make the list? Yeah, well, I'll mention um, Rachel Weisz uh, yes, was, on, was my, on my list of nominees. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is one that, that, uh, that I was surprised did not make the list. Judy Garland, I would say. Hmm. I haven't seen enough Julie. I, 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 like, I, her like, in, I like her. Iconic performances, though. Come yeah. on. Yeah. And um, I like her in Judgment in Nuremberg. I'm now drawing a blank on who, who else was on my list that didn't make it by my, my personal list. As I'll say this. As somebody... I had Gina Rollins. Yeah. I had Gong Lee. Okay. So far, so good. We, we covered those. Um, I'm trying to remember who I voted for that didn't make it besides Rachel, Rachel Weiss. So I don't have the whole list in front of me of the, of, of the submissions, but I will say that there's a few things... A shocking number of people, well, sorry, a, a, a shocking lack of number of people uh, uh, submitted um, Marlene Dietrich. Mm. Like, she was a very iconic person, a uh, very iconic actress. And for film nerds, you would think she would be I just bigger. think her films are just not, there's no one standout film, I think. And there's no, the films just aren't known of enough. I guess so. I don't know. She's it, someone people talk about. She's not someone people still watch movies of. Maybe people think of her more as just a general icon mm-hmm. than a specific actress. Same I'd with say Marilyn so with Monroe. Like Greta Garbo. Same sure. thing. Like you know who she is. You've never yeah. seen a Greta Garbo movie. Um, Mae West. It's hard to pin a specific movie to. Iconic. Yeah, she was just a general. Yeah, like a personality. But she, yes, yeah, she was an actress in specific mm-hmm. things. Um, I was surprised it wasn't there wasn't a lot for Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Um, Julia Roberts is a movie star and she's like one of the biggest movie stars ever. And I don't think anybody submitted her. Hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I personally am a big fan of Annette Bening. Uh, I can understand why, why I think one or two people submitted her at a very low point level, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I don't know. I feel like she's, she's, I mentioned Rachel Weiss and Madeline Kahn was the other one that mm -hmm. I couldn't really got left off. Um, we had a conversation, we had a, fraction of a conversation before we started recording about like young actresses who like maybe haven't made the, who, if we did this list in another 10 years, maybe would be on there. Yeah. Uh, and I suggested Rooney Mara. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's about right. Cause I, 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 for a moment I was worried that like, uh, you know, girl with the dragon tattoo might be this little fluke and that she would never be fully, she would never be well utilized after that. Yeah, that uh, but of happen. course she's marvelous in Carol. Uh, co-lead, by the way. If anything, she's the lead. If anything, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, uh, now I will say one thing, and I, I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get all social justice warrior because I know David, that's your place. That's, uh, yeah. But uh, my comfort zone. You know, it is noted. Okay, so there was one African American on the actors list, and it was Denzel Washington. Okay. I think that's about right. Uh, if it's if it's going to be anybody, I could see it being yeah, him or Sidney Poitier. I had a I had a theory as to why he wouldn't be on the list, and I think because he's from a very specific time, and he was he was notable for being like 
the first black like leading man, but in movies that were so of their time that I think they're not seen as super relevant anymore. No one watches Goodbye Mr. Chips every Saturday evening anymore? You mean uh, Goodbye Mr. Chips as I think Peter O'Toole, right? No, uh, Mr. That? Tibbs oh, is him. Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Um, in the Heat of the Night is marvelous. Um, I can't remember anything anymore. But on your, yeah, it's very late. I'm sorry. Yes. You're thinking there's, there's another one I think you're... There's another one he plays a teacher. Yeah. Oh, um, what To is, Sir With Love. To Sir With Love. To Sir With Love. Um, the but, amazing um, theme song. Anyway. But in the Heat of the Night is a very, I think, uh, yeah. I think that holds up. I don't think that feels that it, dated. It does, but it's not It's not one that We've strayed that movie from people, your yeah, social sorry. justice mission. Um, Please oh, continue. Okay, it's it's so, not people that, that, it's not a movie that, like, movie nerds feel the need to see that much. But anyway, well, okay, we'll, we'll move on. Movie. So, the one African American actress that is on the list, and I don't like, I'm not a fan of tokenism or anything like that, but it's no, Viola. I am. What? I am. Are you? Okay. I'm all for it. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's odd that it's Viola Davis. It's odd that it's a, a uh, such a recent actress, but and I'm trying to think who else. And it sounds weird. It's like, it's like, all right, let's just start l- l- rattling off black actresses, uh, black dresses, David. I'm sure you would enjoy that. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. It's uh, so it sounds it sounds so gross to even say that, but I'm trying to think who who should be included. You know, it's not like Halle Berry is uh, right. setting the world on fire. Pam Greer, Pam Greer, maybe. I'm a big fan of Angela Bassett, but she's not a she's not that vital of an actress uh, anymore. I also am a huge fan of Alfred Woodard, but she's also not on anybody's radar. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who like the high profile ones. Would would be Goldberg, maybe? But Oprah. Oprah, yeah, sure. She was she in a was, lot of iconic films. Yeah, she was. She, she's a people huge, just don't think of her as an actress. People don't yeah. think of her as an actress, but she is still in movies, and she's still a huge yeah. champion yeah. of film. Yeah, so it's I, I found myself having a hard time. I can think more of like uh, more recent uh, yeah. black actresses that have made a splash. Zoe like, Saldana. Yeah, sure. Lupita. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing is. If if we're thinking of recent actresses, then why not go with Viola Davis? I feel like she's probably the most forceful and the most interesting of the bunch. Um, and of course, I, and again, um, I still feel bad talking like this, but people do talk like this. There are no, uh, unless I'm forgetting, on neither of our lists are there any um, Latino or Latina right. uh, yeah. uh, actors, which is which is too bad. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Pena, off the top of my head. Oh, damn a, right, a, a great addition. Or Penelope Cruz. Uh, oh yeah. Cruz. Um, yeah, and then on the other side, like Benicio del Toro or European, Gabriel, which is different. Garcia okay, Bernal. I guess oh, yeah. I don't know what the different. Would you say uh, Gabriel Garcia Bernal? Oh, yeah, or uh, or uh, Javier Bardem? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and is uh, Edgar and also Ramirez? he's European. My I don't goodness. know. Oh, okay. I feel like if I say Latino or Latina, that means South American or Latin American. Mexico I guess so. on down, right? I guess I just I, so I think of it as Spanish heritage, yeah. but. I, I don't know. I, guess I defer to the SJW in the room. <laughs> yes, please do. Um, but I'm saying there's not there's Penelope Cruz is more has more in common with Catherine Deneuve to me because they're European. I mean, that's oh, just how I think. I see. And Javier that Bardem. seems that seems wrong, but uh, that's but, okay. but they've both Javier Bardem in particular have played Latin American characters. Yeah. Hmm. I think this is definitely a topic about which we do not know enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, well, we definitely, I'm sure we have Latino and Latina uh, listeners. Oh, absolutely. I would, like, how do you feel about yeah. lumping in Penelope Cruz? Uh, does she count? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, dear. That's, that's, oh, dear. that's pretty tough. Um, 
But yeah, and so I, I will say that, and, and a few listeners have commented on this, and this might be a, a place to end, but, uh, you know, um, because we split this up, I, I find myself wondering if we should have just said 50 actors, 50 actresses, not so that it'd be more inclusive, but it would, it would then mean that rather than people submitting five actors and five actresses, you'd, you'd be surprised. Like when you go from five to 10 submissions, that frees you up a lot to be a bit more creative. Whereas when you're limited to five, you kind of feel like, all right, I should go with the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like if I had, if I had done this a different way, the minute I, the the moment I realized, Oh, this is going to be split up. This is going to be split in half. I should have decided to make it a top hundred, uh, 50 each. Um, so that's on me. Sorry, everybody. This episode will be five hours long next year. That's true. Yes. Uh, yeah. Next year, our list should be, what's your 26 through 50. For, uh, well, I guess I could just do that. I could just uh, go to the next, the next few, but I'm not going to, um, um, but I think this speaks to a couple things. I think, uh, I mean, I mentioned that we have, uh, you know, um, listeners of various, uh, minorities, but, our listeners are mostly white and also mostly male. We know that. Yeah. Uh, we've done surveys. Yeah. Um, our listeners are and so, you and me, David. Yeah. So it's, it's a mix of that and a mix of lack of opportunity over the history of, sure. uh, of cinema um, for, for minorities. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason that it's hard for us to think of a tons of yeah. black actresses that are yeah. you know, working at that level. It's because they haven't historically been given the opportunity and, Things are just yeah. now changing to the point yeah. where that we can think of more recent, but that there's historically mm-hmm. just a lack of that. Yeah, that is. And that's that's something that I more so than, you know, all this uh, Oscar so white talk, like doing this where it covers all of film history definitely made me realize, like, I mean, especially for black actresses, because like mm-hmm. black actors, you you know, you saw like Will Smith and that sort of thing and, and several others. Um, but yeah, black actresses, especially like it's it does seem oddly appropriate that it would be viola davis because who else who else could it be um and that is uh, very unfortunate yeah but, i would hope that in another five or ten years this list would look a lot different because i think yeah. that's one of the that's one of the first things i said to you was wow this list is there's yeah. one asian woman and one yeah. yeah well guys let's make a pact to meet <laughs> back here in 10 years okay i'm down and count uh, down another list send me a calendar invite sure absolutely. all right <laughs> absolutely um you can find us at battleshipretention.com that's where you can find all the all of our lists this one that one all the past ones we've done um all, there's all sorts of movie reviews there's all sorts of fun fun stuff at battleshipretention.com uh and you can send us emails um about all the offensive things that we've said at David at battleship com or Tyler, Tyler at battleship com. You can find our hot takes on Twitter at Davey pretension and at Tyler pretension. Um, real quick, Tyler, what's going on at more than one lesson this week? Well, uh, let's see. I, because last week I, I was a few days late on an episode. So there are basically two new episodes available. One is, uh, Josh and I talking about West side story, mm-hmm. uh, as part of our best of pictures project. And then, uh, another, uh, I do, I did an interview with a, with a comedian named, uh, Adam Yenser, who's actually remarkably funny and is, uh, talks about being a, a Christian in the uh, comedy community, which is not, uh, super easy in Los Angeles. Very interesting. Um, my other podcast is about, TV. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week is the penultimate episode of the show as we know it because uh, Paul is moving to Arizona. So I think Paul is putting together a, essentially a 
clip package of <laughs> highlights of the years of us doing the show that, and we're going to talk a little bit in between. Uh. Um, so I think that's what's going on, but then st- stay tuned for our final episode. So the premise saying this for Amanda's, uh, cause I'm sure Amanda doesn't listen to Hey, watch this. But the idea I is, don't listeners. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> it's a, it's a homework type podcast where Paul and I, each week we pick something that's airing that week and we say, this is what we want to watch. We both have to watch both things when we talk about it. So for our final episode, we're basically doing same format as every other episode, but we're each picking our favorite series finale in the history of television. Nice. And we're going to talk about those nice. two episodes. So that'll be in a couple weeks. Uh, check that out. Amanda, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-M-A-E, A-M-A. And also, I also have a podcast called Two Girls Talking. So you can find that, twogirlstalking.club. We talk about all sorts of things. Who's your co-host? Uh, Abigail Schilling. And what do you guys talk about? Just everything? Literally everything. It's the most inane thing you've ever heard. It's nonsensical, but it's I can't fun. Wait. Yes. Sure. Well, thank you so much for spending all this time with us and counting yeah. on this list. Of course. No it problem. was a blast. It was. Thank you for having me. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.